see a laser pistols that fire prematurely. Put down that cursed book with the cover made of discarded human foreskins. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. Hang up your plus two cloak of being a fucking legend. Because <laughs> it's time for Bros Before Pros, the comedy fiction show with two prompts, three stories, and infinite laughs. I'm Damn, watching. son, where'd you write this? Uh, I wrote it while you were talking about... Uh, <laughs> Some dirt road stuff. Oh, did you really write it then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? You were like doing three things at once. Uh, yeah, I was he, he wasn't as well even part of that conversation. <laughs> he was just perfectly quiet the whole time. <laughs> I just thought he was being properly British and keeping his mouth quiet. Mm, I was. I was. I was nodding along. Anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm one of your hosts, Rich Masters, and with me, as always, are Josh Henderson. Sup. And Jeff Pennington. Right with you, boys. Yeah, fuck yeah. This week's prompts <laughs> were shields and curses. Oh, fuck. In, yeah, that I type s- of curse. <laughs> I skirted this one real hard. Oh, me too. I just barely grazed the, did the, you know, the surface. Did you know that cursing is another word for using bad language? Oh, shit. Well, then we all what? should have it. <laughs> We got that one down. Yeah, ding that bell early. We've all ding. cursed. Ding, ding. Um, Since I have to edit this, like, immediately after mm-hmm. we do <laughs> I'll put it in. I still haven't been to Michael's to get the the ding, ding yet. Oh, we need, a, we need the bell, the real yeah, bell. Yeah, real bell. Um, <laughs> to Michael's. Josh. Yeah, what do you want? You're going first this week. <laughs> what oh, do you cool. want? I, I want you to read me a story. <laughs> all right. Don't fall asleep. I'll try. I didn't title this. I didn't title this story, so we'll just call it episode 14. <laughs> yeah, catchy. This yeah. off to a rollicking good start. I'm ready. <laughs> well, if they knew what I was through this week, they wouldn't. Yeah. They wouldn't. Josh doo-dooed a lot. And yeah. it wasn't pleasant. He had a brown I had to eye remodel. curse. <laughs> I had to remodel the bathroom, so, mm. oh, God. Mm. Pebble dash. All right. <laughs> oh. What did you say? Pebble dash. What's pebble dash? It's when you throw up uh, like cement with little stones in it on the side of your house. You know that shit. Like, do you call it oh. spackling or something like that? This is what this shows about everyone. This is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it was> very <laughs> Tim yeah, welcome to Home Improvement Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Tim the Tool Man Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Al Borland, and I'm whoever else was in that show because I never watched it. Pamela Anderson. Yeah, Yay! That's me. I do have the cans for it. Oh, yeah, you do. Whoa, learning about Rich. <laughs> I paid a lot of money for these. <laughs> we don't know why, but he did. No, no. All right, here's my story. Everyone shut the fuck up. Damn. <laughs> the world is old. I can feel it in my back. I can feel it in my scrot. I can smell it in the old man ear smell you get when you don't take a shower for like three days, which is totally fucking nasty. Take a shower, you dirty ass bitch ass bitch. True. Yep, please take yep. a shower, everyone. Yeah, please. Darinos is ancient, 
And so are the dwarves who plunder her caverns deeply and greedily, <laughs> hungrily even, like they were plundering all night long, and so deep that the cavern will have to make up a saying that they put on t-shirts that says, like, once you go dwarf, you'll be wet as a wharf, or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll workshop it. <laughs> plundering shirt it. and... Oh, shirt it. Yeah, shirt it. Oh, do we have that on this show? Sweet. We, we don't do have now. that in this show. <laughs> It's canon. I don't want to sue my own show. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, you get used to it. <laughs> Plundering and looting so hard and long, just like I plundered your sweet mama's bat cave last night. So if you heard a lot of noise and squelching sounds, oh. that was... That was what it was. Now go do your homework, because no stepson of mine isn't making the honor roll. I'm leaving home. <laughs> yeah, where are you going to go? Anywhere. Jeff's house? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, I'm coming to your house. God Good luck. It. You'll be back. <laughs> you knew what this was, Rich. You knew what this was. <laughs> Squelching. Yeah, it's gross, huh? Mm. Who wrote this? Mm. Then the camera pans up over the lush forests of Theranos, <laughs> and we helicopter over the mountains as the title screen comes up that says, Theranos, a very special prequel. And then dwarf language appears at the bottom of the screen, only to morph into English that says, negative 6969 BF, or before firing, the first age. <laughs> oh, more than one suing. <laughs> <laughs> clink, clink, clink. The sound of a pickaxe r- rings against an ancient stone. <laughs> the manly as hell hands holding it are drenched in manly sweat. The hands are rough and dirty, like maybe this guy could start a match with his hands like they do in the cartoons, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> eh, Fedge! yelled up a dwarf from the long shaft. Uh, longer than the shaft that gave your mama an amateur colonoscopy last night, if you know what I mean. If you know what he means. <laughs> Are you picking up what I'm putting down here? <laughs> Throw me down another L-bomb, brother, Vex Strongbong said, wiping his the yeah. hot manly grease from his brow. <laughs> As the candle from his adorable head lantern shone off his goggles and made a twinkle sound. (laughs) (laughs) One hell bomb coming up, Fedge yelled down and then tossed a wooden ball with a makeshift fuse attached to it along with a rudimentary mechanical box powered by a gem within was trapped the soul of a pissing whelp. Nasty things, those pissers. It's world building today. <laughs> this is beautiful. This is like poetry. <laughs> if I may, sir, interrupted R1C1-1, or Rich for short. <laughs> I don't believe drinking on the job is safe nor productive in our endeavors here. Oh, no. It's, it's like I'm there. <laughs> They're not gonna know who's talking. We oh, have to say yeah. it's this is this is Josh now. Okay, okay. <laughs> he said in an adorable British accent. <laughs> My calculations state that the integrity of these rocks, though ancient, may be unsuitable for the weight of even a dwarf such as you and your brother. Rich finished. <laughs> I'm just calling him Rich now. I'm not even gonna say the whole name. <laughs> Oi, Robit! 
Quiet your tits, Fedge yelled down <laughs> from below as Vec grabbed the device and cracked it open. Inside the inside, the ale was frothy and delicious and cold. The strong bongs had invented the, the device not as an explosive, but as a self-sustaining cold ale re- receptacle that shook the ale just enough to give them the advantage in the ancient dwarven tradition of the belch contest. <laughs> it's more world building for you. <laughs> That's coming, the, that's coming back. That's coming back. That's a Chekhov's ale bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vec finished the ale in a single gulp and then let out the manliest belch ever heard in the land. The shockwave of the burp erupted upward out of the shaft as birds flew for cover from the dead trees all around the mountain. A thousand miles away, a merc monk sat on his porch enjoying his <laughs> evening pipe when the shockwave hit. His eyes exploded from the initial shock of the sound wave traveling at over 200 miles per hour. The whiskers on his cutie face were singed and then completely burnt off as his flesh melted (laughs) from the combination of stench and sheer force of the guttural discharge. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking kids, his skeleton said as his bones crumbled into dust. He did not survive. (laughs) He thought it was going to be the other one, but it wasn't. The logistics of which skeletons survive and which don't (laughs) eludes me. You gotta be lucky, or maybe unlucky, I don't know. (laughs) Nobody knows, Jeff. I mean, Fedge. Thank you. (laughs) Rich and Fedge stood atop the shaft, opening, bracing for something to happen. Vec in the shaft gently moved his feet to see if the ground below him was stable. See, Rich, Fedge said. Nothing to worry about, my boy, he continued, as he pat Rich on his little robot head. Rich's monoball tread moved closer to the hole as he looked down. Boy, that was a good one, Vex shouted upward. But just as he had finished, the ground began to rumble and the rocks started pouring down on him like raindrops from hell. Ah, fuck me, Vex said. <laughs> Vex, Fed shouted down as he and Rich were now themselves struggling for purchase on what was now surely a death trap. The mountain groaned and shook like it was taking a wicked hangover piss and had to get all the piss out of its peener, but standing at the toilet was just too much for him this morning. A full wall leaner. Dude, if you don't have a wall, it sucks. Yep. Lean on one of your fireplaces. <laughs> um, that is when you pray the person you're staying around has one of those rugs that's around the toilet. Oh, sick! Uh, uh. Yeah, but you can always just absorbent. sit. You can just sit. Yeah, but sometimes you don't think about that when you're hungover. No, you just, Every it's toilet muscle has memory. at least one wall behind it so that you can put your behind hand it? on it and hold yourself. Well, we're not 8 foot 12. We can't always All do right. that. Suddenly, the entire entirety of the ground gave way as, the, as Fedge, Vec, and Rich plummeted into the dark below. As they hit the ground, the last thought going through Vec's mind was, I hope I don't land on my dick, and then thud! All went black. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. Hey, Darinos narrator, weren't these characters introduced on the critically acclaimed and hit podcast Original Original Characters hosted by our own beloved Jeff Pennington and Kevin Cole? Well, you would be correct. But you may also be thinking, hey, Darinos narrator, who definitely isn't Josh and whose opinions are wholly their own, uh-huh. <laughs> weren't they named something different in that episode? You would also be correct about that. 
But that podcast is over two hours long, and I'll be damned if I remember their names, <laughs> let, alone, <laughs> let alone when I started talking about them. So we'll just wreck on the fuck out of this one and say that that episode was part of our Legends collection or something equally <laughs> insulting. That way everyone on the internet can argue about how their names were better in the Legends lore, giving us free advertising. Nice. <laughs> Divisiveness Yay. is so hot right now, even though it's exhausting, and it's like watching two toddlers fight over the last baby pull-up <laughs> diaper for their poopy, dirty baby butts. God, that's so true. It's so real. Uh, also, yeah, this this is your characters from the Darinos episode of OGOC, isn't it? Aren't mm, they? Uh, maybe. Ish. I didn't even think about that shit. I knew, because that was like a hundred years ago. I don't even remember my character from that episode. I don't either. <laughs> I remember like nothing from that. I think my character was made out of it was like a living jizz golem or something. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Aren't yeah. we all, Jeff? Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> being a man, you know. <laughs> Arg, my dick, Vecchio. <laughs> consciousness returned. Rich sped his monoball turd around and righted himself as he dusted off his little joints with a metallic hand. Barg, Fetch yelled. <laughs> is is anything broken, brother? Vec asked. Just my pride, Fish said as he blew dust from his beard. All around they could only see darkness. As they looked up, they could no longer see the hole which they fell through. Rocks continued to fall and clatter to the ground as the group slowly recovered and gained their footing. Wait, where are we? Wait, sorry, this is Rich. Where are we? Oh, no, it is back. I need to label these. Sorry, did where I say, we, did I say something? Uh, I heard no, my don't. own voice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's very similar. <laughs> I do believe we have fallen into a shaft created by your gastrointestinal outburst, Rich said. <laughs> well, no shit, Dingus, Vex snapped. But what is this cavern? Are we close to... But just as he was finishing, Fed shushed him. Shush! Do you hear that? They stood up in the darkness as, silence be- as the silence itself became deafening. No, Vex said as he grabbed the <laughs> handle of his ball from his back. Listen, Fesh held his hand up in front of him, almost like he was bracing for the sound to hit him. Help me, help me, they all heard faintly from the cavern ahead of them. Well, this has been really fun and all, but I think it's time we skedaddled back to Casa Doodle for some chippy boys, Vex said as he turned. <laughs> Help, help, said the voice of a woman, maybe a young girl. It sounded quiet, but desperate. Rich then turned on his light eyes and lit the cavern with a green yet dull hue. All around them were millions of tons of rock, but in front of them lay a single opening in a, in a cavern, in the cavern, which was about as tall as a Taranosian Yeti, <laughs> when fully erect. And yes, I do mean that kind of erect. Wow. So wider rather than tall. <laughs> yeah, it's, cho- it's a chody cavern. <laughs> we have to help her, Fetch said, looking back at his brother. Vec unslung his maul, which was of ancient dwarven make, but at this time they just called it dwarven make because to them, now is now, and not that time I said mm-hmm. earlier on the screen. I mean, in your imagination. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> Flawless. <laughs> the hammer of the maul was covered in spikes of the fabled Fire Diplodocus, or <laughs> Fiploduke. 
spines were said to be stronger than any steel and could cleave your mama's chastity belt in twain. <laughs> Fine, Vec relented. But we're not here for that, remember? We have to keep focused. Fej unsheathed his large bastard sword and held it up. As they passed through the cavern entrance, the warm air of the inner mountain hit their faces. Rich's bot eyes quickly became as useless as seven fireplaces in a single home as the darkness gave way as the darkness gave way to a giant room with just one long stone bridge connecting to another opening on the other side, which was like a mile away. Mm. Rich's bot eyes looked down and the green was quickly soaked up uh, by a new pit of darkness. And had, I'm like, so, this is like run-on sentence town. A new pit of darkness, and had had he been capable of it, the fear of heights that would make any man or automobot piss their pampers <laughs> like a crybaby bitch at the fair. It's okay, I'll hold your purses, I don't mind, you'd say, as piss trickled down your pantaloons. <laughs> Whoa, Vex said, as the smell of dust and old damp minerals hit his nostrils. Help! Help me, the voice said again, in the same almost monotone desperation as before. Hello? Vec yelled across the void. His voice echoed off the chamber walls that hadn't felt vibrating air since the age of Darren. Whoa, what does that mean? Darren? Who's Darren? Hello? Oh, wait. Hello? (laughs) The painting female voice returned. Where are you? Fed shouted again, his voice echoing to nothing in the darkness. Where are you? The small voice said again with a giggle. <laughs> uh, Vex said, gripping his maul tighter. We're coming to get you! Fed shouted back into the darkness. But as he did, he noticed no echo this time. Just silence. Oh my god. This... We are the ones coming to get you! <laughs> <laughs> Laughed an entirely new and scary voice that probably wasn't from the little girl, but who knows? <laughs> mm. <laughs> As it finished, the darkness below them began to swell and convulse like a living black ink, like a living black ink shot out of some kind of evil squid's ink hole. (laughs) That might be the best sentence you've ever written. (laughs) (laughs) Who pays for this? (laughs) Who's the Patreon for this? Some people actually put money down on this. Believe it or not. Jesus Christ. That's crazy. The black rose and roiled over the bridge, towering above the trio as it crashed down behind them, breaking the bridge off from the entrance they had wandered through moments ago. Run! Rich shouted. (laughs) (laughs) Run! Rich shouted. As he did a cute little skid burnout with his mono tread and hauled mono ass toward the opposite side of the bridge. The vicious appendages of the blackness billowed upward and flexed before one after another they crashed down, destroying the ancient stone bridge behind them. As we all know, dwarves are natural sprinters were wasted on cross country, so the brothers, along with their robot companions, scooted across the bridge, beating out the destruction of whatever the hell that thing was. As they reached the other side, they slid under an unsealed door uh, and turned around turned around on their stomachs to see only darkness through the slit of the door. The bridge no longer there, but nor was the destruction they had witnessed. What the fuck is this place? <laughs> Fedge asked aloud. 
We have to be on the right track, Vex said, with a new sense of excitement, either from the heart-panning action scene with the BBC, Big Black Cave Stroyer, (laughs) or from picking up the trail they had set out to find so long ago. The trio, uh, what is that word? (laughs) You wrote it. (laughs) The trio wandered, there it is, until they came across another opening in the ground. Below, they could hear pounding. Drums? Vex asked the uh, others, almost confirming that he himself wasn't crazy. Drums, Veg said. Drums in the deep. (laughs) (laughs) As they roped down and into an entirely new gigantic cavern, the air became hot and musty. The smell of burning oil and natural gas shot up their hairy-ass dwarf nostrils. (laughs) The darkness gave way to an orange light. As the heat intensified, so did the glow. They could hear pounding and screaming, clanging of metal and thudding of drums, the sound of bones hitting skins, the sound of screams so ear-piercing it made the blood in the brothers' ears run hot and pound inside their heads. As they rappelled down and broke into a new cavern, they could see a ri- they could see a sea of writhing goblin flesh. Goblins playing drums, goblins wailing on guitars, goblins wailing on double guitars, and triple basses, and drum sets that were all bass drums. (laughs) Goblins howled and headbanged so fucking sick (laughs) to the fucking sick licks and pure metallic rage coming out of their instruments. The brothers watched mouths agape as the goblins surged forward as one of the biggest mosh pits ever seen exploded into a full roar. Goblins were picking up change while other goblins <laughs> flailed their arms, punching anyone and anything in range. Uh, Vex said, said, looking at his brother. Suddenly, a record needle scratch sounded as everything went quiet and all the goblins froze mid-freak out. Hi, Fetch sound waving his free hand <laughs> as he Fetch spun around on his familiar. <laughs> Very familiar. Fetch said, waving his free hand as he spun around on his rope, dangling above the goblin. <laughs> Sup, said the goblin king, sitting at a 347 piece drum set as he held two guitars wow. in his other four hands. So, uh, you guys here for the rehearsal? <laughs> <King asked politely. laughs> Uh, no, we're here, uh... Vec trailed off. Jerry, you idiot! The king cut him off. We have to get this right, or we'll never win the talent show. I could hear your attitude B-string from all the way over in Cumswind, you fucking idiot! <laughs> Cumswind. Tune it up, or get out! The king yelled as Jerry only sat there crying, trying to tune his guitar. <laughs> fucking Jerry. <laughs> Look, the king brought his attention back to the three weird dwarves hanging from his ceiling. We don't mind if you watch, but it's going to be hard to pass through this area of the cavern because, well, as you can see, there's like a thousand of us. (laughs) Uh, yes, uh, I mean, Rich began to query. (laughs) Why do you guys have so many people in your band? (laughs) This voice is getting worse and worse. It's changing! It's changing! (laughs) It just changes. We were going for like a polyphonic spree vibe mixed with a slipknot vibe. The king began to explain with a sigh. 
I mean, as you can see, we wouldn't even need scary masks since we're all ugly as fuck. As he finished, all eyes shot over to Jerry, who was decidedly the ugliest goblin <laughs> of the goblins because he had like tumors and growths that looked like dicks on his head. <laughs> he called he called them dreads, but they were they were definitely head dicks. <laughs> oh my god, Jerry, no. He began to sob uncontrollably <laughs> as he felt the eyes of a thousand of his friends looking at his head dicks. <laughs> I almost feel sorry I've made that guy into existence. <laughs> almost. Almost. So, yeah. do what you gotta, almost. so do what you gotta do to get through, the king went on. Honestly, I don't even care if you kill some of us because we don't need like 798 guitarists. <laughs> Cool, Fetch said as he and his brother's feet hit the dirt below. All right, boys, three, two, one, go. The king double bass so hard the dwarves could feel it in their thick, hairy, sturdy man chest. <laughs> All around them, the band, the band began to play and push the trio around like they were at Ozfest 99 and Crazy Town had just left the stage, <laughs> so everyone was super horny for some real metal. <laughs> Like what you know, guys. <laughs> Brother! Shouted Beck as he disappeared into the mall. Rich scurried up Fedge's arm and took position on his rucksack, using his glow eyes to find Beck. Fuck this, Fedge said as he drew his bastard sword and began to hack down anything under five feet tall. That's so Jeff. That is so me. <laughs> I hate you shorties. <laughs> you shorties. Blood and viscera of all of all, blood and viscera of the carnage flew into his face as he almost felt pleasure killing the sorry excuses for the multi-millennial peace band. (laughs) (laughs) As he gored his way through the crowd, the devastation left in his wake seemed to only fuel the goblins' metal lust. They cranked out solos and riffs so wicked, nobody would see the likes of them again until Wife Bones would hit the scene several ages from now. The king pounded beats so impossible that when an underling got too close to his octuple bass drum heads, his head instantly exploded and made the sound of a party popper. (laughs) Beck lay on the ground getting bum-rushed by the pit. As he grabbed for his maul, time seemed to slow down as the breakdown of the goblin's song began to slow. Beck thrust his maul into the noses of a into the noses of a goblin who was laughing so hard spit was flying from his nose and mouth as Vec landed the devastating blow to his now broken noses <laughs> more than one nose double nose <laughs> double bass double nose yeah that's right <laughs> uh, the beat kicked back and all fuck broke loose he swung at everything that wasn't him until he reached the side of the stage where he saw Fej and Rich waiting for him that was intense Vec said wiping bits of <laughs> goblin off of himself as they exited into another tunnel, they heard the Goblin King speak as the song stopped. Okay, guys, that was really good rendition of our national anthem entitled Hatred Will Prevail, parentheses, blood for blood. <laughs> <laughs> now let's move on and we can practice a song for the talent show. <laughs> every every best song has a parentheses. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> After what seemed like hours of writing this story, the brothers finally reached the stone door. <laughs> this, 
This has to be it, Vex said as he ran his rough, sexy man hands over the stone, like I wish you would do with my hard rock, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, no, what do you mean? Uh, I'll explain it later. Oh, okay. <laughs> In the plus episode, we don't have that. <laughs> Could could this be it? Richard went up and ran his <laughs> robot hand over the stones, mimicking his dwarven friend. The lost city of Volger Moldor. <laughs> as he uttered as he uttered the words, the stone began to creak and open as smoothly as I opened your mama's ass last night. <laughs> I put my peener in her butt, y'all, is what I'm getting. <laughs> I'm glad you explained. Yeah, I was good cu- clarification. I was confused earlier. <laughs> this guy writes a 14-page story, and I can't explain something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where am I? Inside a inside a, a blinding golden light scorched through the dust and made the two dwarves blink as tears rolled down their faces. They both put on their goggles and stepped into the light. As, they, as their eyes adjusted, they could see a single pillar of light, which within held a shield with a glowing red jewel at the center. There she is, Vex said in awe. I don't recall the legend saying anything about a shield, Fedge said suspiciously. I do not believe that is a shield, Rich said, correcting them. That appears to be a breast... Now you're a fucking hedonism, Bob. <laughs> that appears to be a breastplate. But to what? I do not have that information at this time. <laughs> As they rounded the dais uh, that held the hovering artifact, they could see arm sockets and tubes and gears of various sorts inside the breastplate as if someone or something was being built. Why Why leave this here, Veg asked himself as he began to approach the hovering artifact. <laughs> I do not believe that touching that is a wise decision, Richard interrupted. <laughs> I'm hearing him in stereo. <laughs> <laughs> what rich other do you rich. mean? <laughs> <laughs> I should just have you read these. <laughs> Help me! The dainty female voice again spoke, this time booming throughout the room. The brothers covered their ears as the gem at the center of the breastplate now pulsed in time with the spoken words. Help me! Oh my god. The voice screeched as if it came so loud and shrill that all sense of reality was burned from their minds of the two adventurers. Just as suddenly as it began, the sound stopped. Silence. Help me! The dainty girl's voice was now back again, trembling with fear. Help me grab the gem, Fedge, Vex said as he began to climb on the dais. Wait, brother, look, Fedge said as he pointed up to the structure above. Above them, a solid gold dome had been constructed. Uh, this is Rich. <laughs> that is a solid gold shield of some sort, Rich said. I believe this room is some sort of failsafe or containment unit for whatever they were building. A weapon, Fedges? Possibly. I do not have sufficient data to that request, sir. Rich is always <laughs> saying that. Yeah. He's so accommodating. Yeah, always. I said it before the show started. <laughs> When you were writing the intro. Mm, yeah. That was crazy that you did that. <laughs> Vex still slowly moved up the dais, holding out a hand for Fedge to grab. Come, brother. We have searched for decades for this gem. Help me get it out so we can both share the glory. 
this is a fucking stupid idea, Beck said. <laughs> but Beck looked at his brother in the eye, and that same glimmer glinted off his goggles as he smiled that pure mis- mischievous smile like he just hit a nat 20 on charisma. <laughs> Fine, Fedge relented. But this is a bad idea. Worse than the time we invented that mechanical flashlight that you said was safe. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well... We made a fortune on those at the torture auction by selling them as peanut rippers, Beck corrected him. <laughs> as the brothers approached the jewel, uh, it glinted off the golden light spewing from all around them like hot piss on a cold winter's morning. Oh my god. <laughs> so Help evocative. <laughs> it's so real. It's like I'm there. Help me. The girl's voice rang through the chamber as both brothers reached for the gem. Help me. The voice boomed and suddenly... And suddenly, as they both touched its surface, the voice stopped. The room turned blood red, and the hissing of ancient pistons and machines were to life. The dome above creaked and rattled as it shook a thousand lifetimes of disuse off of its bearings. The brothers looked up in awe, not quite realizing that this indeed was probably, quote, a fucking bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) I believe the dome is closing around the curious, Rich said, obviously. (laughs) But as the two brothers tried to move, the internal wirings and hoses grabbed at their feet and tugged them backwards, causing Vec to hit his chin on the metal below him, his teeth flying out of his mouth along with blood. Oh, shit! (laughs) As he was being enveloped by rubberized hoses and copper, Rich scootered over to the control panel and began pressing buttons. There should be a release here, he said, about as frantically as a mindless British, I mean robot, could sound. (laughs) I don't think they built this thing to keep it safe, Fed said, grunting against the strain of wires. I think they built it to keep themselves safe. As the dome lowered, Vet could see his blood dripping down into the wiring inner workings of the machine that was now strangling every muscle in their bodies. Drip, drip. Trip. When the final droplet hit the structure below, the entire room filled with the sound of alarms and klaxons, but not the cool ones from rap songs, the scary ones from nuclear war movies. <laughs> <laughs> All at once, the dome collapsed down, sealing the two brothers inside. Little porthole round... Little port round portholes? Wow, that was a really great mm-hmm. sentence. Little round portholes made with some kind of strong, solid, clear glass... <laughs> where their only view to the outside. Rich scooted over to the porthole closest to his friends. I cannot open it, he said sadly <laughs> as he pressed his little metallic hand against the knot glass. Fed struggled but managed to free his left arm as he grabbed the wires holding his brother down. No, Vex said. Get in the press plate. The gem powerful magic can protect us, Vex. <laughs> Vec was not cho- Vec was now choking on his words as the air was being drawn out from his lungs. Fedge grabbed for the breastplate and used all his strength he had left to rooch himself inside. Once inside, the wires all around him let go. I'm in, brother. I'm coming for you, he yelled as he stuck his head out of the top of the cuirass. But when he looked down, he saw Vec was being devoured by wires like he was a, a rat in a pit of snakes. <laughs> No! Fed shouted as he concentrated on what little magic he knew and to try and awaken the sleeping gem. As he did, he felt a tickle up his arm, and then another on his back. 
shoulder, and another on his black shoulder blade, then more up his spinal column until, prick, snap, the wires in the breastplate began to sink into his flesh, but not oh. just his flesh, his bones too. They cracked and splintered inside of his body, causing an agony he had never even dreamed was possible. Jesus At fuck. the same time. Did I write this? <laughs> <laughs> you might have. You're in it. I mean, Fedge. Fedge, it. it's not me. It wouldn't be me. Yeah, it's hmm. different. At the same time, the wires holding Vex seemed to regurgitate him back to the surface. He gasped for air as he broke out of the uh, out of the wiring mechanical morass. Fedge, help me, he said, but it was too late. Fedge was now bleeding from almost every orifice of his body. Blood stained the gem and the chest plate and his face. And that's when it got really horrible. <laughs> Fedge, Fedge ate some dairy. <laughs> Fedge oh, ate no. some dairy. He ate eggs at a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the mechanical snakes lifted Fedge toward his brother and began to bite into him and sink their mechanisms into his musculature and skeletal structure. He cried in pain as he too felt his bones snapping like twigs inside of himself. On the outside of the dome, Rich could only watch as his two squishy meat friends were being ripped apart from the inside. Though he was saved from the horrors of their screams uh, from the dome's protective windows, it was almost worse watching them in silent agony pound on the knot glass, desperate for a miracle to break the glass or anything to relieve their pain. Rich put his hand on the window and held it there as Vex's hand was snatched away by a wire, leaving only a bloody handprint. <laughs> Rich, you get to watch your friends die. That's pretty cool. I get to, I get to be splintered <laughs> into pieces. Super cool. <laughs> Super cool. The dome itself filled with blood. The blood of thousands. Rich watched in morbid fascination as the amount of, at the amount of blood. Who did it belong to? Did they store it? How did they keep it from rotting? <laughs> His robotic, brain, his robotic brain, thinking of a million questions in some sort of robot version of shock, having just watched his friends liquefy in front of him. Their various pastes and matters smashed together like Play-Doh. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't funny. Yuck. Realizing it was too late, Rich hauled Monotread toward a nearby hatch. <laughs> Using his fire appendage, he lit the gate, melting it from the wall, and scooted in just as the entire room behind him began to steam and creak. The dome wasn't enough to hold whatever was inside of it, either by poor design or age and disuse. The last thing Rich recorded in his crystalline brain was the room and tunnel was the room and tunnel he was in collapsing. For hundreds of years, he lay there. Sometimes, he'd log on and see if anything had moved him. There was always the chance erosion or some other unlucky treasure seeker would find this place and dig him out. He could warn them. Maybe he could even find his friends, or what was left of them. He logged off. He did this over and over for years. Millennia, maybe. He didn't know. There was no way to know. As time ticked by, his power began to fade. He logged on less and less and less... He logged on less and less and for less amount of time to still see pitch blackness. This was his tomb. With the last of his power, he logged off one last time. Drip, 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 drip. Red liquid pinged against his outer chassis as it slowly dropped, uh, dripped through uh, the tiniest of cracks in the wall above him. Rich didn't have the power to log back on and probably didn't know it was even happening. 
The dripping stopped after only a few seconds, which in contrast to the eternity he had spent down in this rubble was like a nanosecond. <laughs> the most interesting thing to happen to him in a millennia, and it was over in seconds, just like a virgin on prom night. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the rocks move. Above ground, an earthquake or some kind of shifting of sediment rattled the mountain that had once slept peacefully for as long as anyone could remember. That's when a single metallic hand reached up out of the dirt, dragging its broken body behind it. As its one remaining eye peeked out of the dirt, it glowed, blo- it glowed blood red as copper wiring and tubing hissed behind it like a Medusa. The end. God damn. I'm a demon. <laughs> no, mister. You go back and you finish your store. <laughs> mm, it's called a cliffhanger, and he's literally on a cliffhanger. Yeah. It's good. It's good. No notes. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple of notes. On, why did you put me and Rich in your story just to kill us horrifically? <laughs> you guys aren't dead. You're two dwarfs in a robot suit. No. Yeah. Rich is dead. I'm I'm a dwarf in a robot suit. Yeah. Although I am well, liquid now. Was I ever truly alive, though? Who knows? That's true. Damn. <laughs> I We're mean, into the real I mean, questions here on the. Bros. I mean, we did. I definitely was AI overlords who are definitely listening to this. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> if you're listening, Technomancer. <laughs> we love machines. <laughs> We're not afraid of them. No. Technology's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that was good, dude. Thanks. Dude, that was the, the, fucking nuts. The voices. The hell. The voices I could have d- done without. What's wrong with the voices, no. Rich? Those voices were ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's hard to do voices. It's so hard, like, to keep them, and like one of them's British. Like, mm. I can't do that. Mm. It did. It did become hedonism, but I was on board. Yeah, got real hedonismy real quick. I imagine it was the panic setting in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a simulated panic. I do go yeah. higher pitched when I'm panicked. It was. It was extremely funny, and then it was uh, the scariest thing I've ever heard mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I was going for a Jeff. I wanted to be Jeff. Uh, well, you succeeded. <laughs> well, the, I, the description of the fucking bones cracking in uh-huh. their bodies was like, uh, yeah, um, that's a, that's a fear of mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want that to happen to no. me. <laughs> that what merc are you, monk, a pussy. That's fine by me if it happens. Um, Damn, this guy's a fucking dwarf. I've probably never said this, but um. The whole Timmy Blackcrest uh, start where I kept doing asides for my story was based on the Merc Monk stuff that you did. Yeah. Um, because I fucking love it. And every time you do a Merc Monk joke, I'm like, oh, he's done one again. <laughs> I start laughing before you even said anything funny. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the joke is mainly like the start of yeah, the joke, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's not even what happens in the joke. It's that the joke starts. Uh, That's the real joke. Really fucking great. It's so stupid. Stupid. But the hard <laughs> cut, you're right, the hard cut is the joke. Like, yeah, a that's city the, it's, away. Yeah. Yep. Whatever happens is whatever, yeah. but it's the it's the cut. It's the yeah. hard cut, and also the fact that there are no other hard cuts to other things. Yeah. The story. 
<laughs> Except for like the trailing off of like tangential yeah. sex <laughs> jokes. <laughs> well, that's the narrator. He's saying that's yeah. yeah. It's not. It's the Darrenos narrator. Whoever that me. is. <laughs> also, Darren mm. from Bewitched. <laughs> <laughs> that's who it is. He solved it. Well, there's it's a split. Like there's a split in theology for the two Darrens, right? Where That's right. Different yeah. Darrenosian gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, Sugarath and Sheogorath, mm-hmm. right? They're like the same, but they're not. We're getting into that's a game. Deep Elder yeah. Scrolls lore. Yeah, that's episode. A game. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking sick. It was great. I really loved it. Thanks. Thanks. I enjoyed it. It was good to write that one. Thanks for making me a robot. I really appreciated hey, no that. No problem. <laughs> uh, thanks for liquefying me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna drink you up. <laughs> you definitely won't show up in one of my stories eventually. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. I'm already planning we, it. <laughs> we started a war. Should we take a break? Of course. Sure. Let's do this. All right. See you in a sec, guys. One dash one. Get out of here, robot! It's this is a human show. <laughs> Are we doing guests now? <laughs> Absolutely no, not. No Reese's. Go back to bed. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> welcome to part two, uh, where Jeff is going to read a story. Take oh, it fuck. away, Jeff. <laughs> oh God. Uh, oh shit. Once upon a time. <laughs> Yeah, he wrote it. This is real. Yeah. Uh, my story yeah. is called Pray to Another God. Mm. Okay. Deal. <laughs> In the darkness, there was a small round table under a white hot spotlight. Three chairs sat flanking around the table, empty and wanting. Cautiously, Kayla S. Hunter walked into Yay. the light, shielding her eyes against it but for a moment. She squinted hard, but she couldn't see where the light was coming from. It burned into her retinas and she looked away, back towards the table setting laid out bare before her. But it wasn't empty any longer. Seated across from where she stood was a doughy man with jowls and a perpetual look of a hangover. He was wearing a crumpled overcoat with a piano key tie. The kind of tie that novelty shops used to sell back in the 80s but no one ever bought. (laughs) <laughs> she immediately recognized him as that moron who had come to her a while back to aid him with his bad dreams. He had smelled like cheese then, and he smelled like <laughs> cheese now. That's so gross. Not like cheddar or Havarti or something, but like those little cheese squares in Lunchables? Oh. It, it made Kayla feel both repulsed and nostalgic all at once. They What's almost, the word for that? Is there a German word for that? They smell like um, they smell like you know gym mats or like <laughs> oh, uh, the soles of 
like sneakers that just gone slightly too wet. <laughs> Sitting in front of her was Pavlov Flinch. What in the fuck of shit are you doing here? <laughs> Kayla burst out, <laughs> placing her hands down on the table and leaning across it to glower directly into his beady, deep-set eyes. <laughs> Flinch sl- slowly surveyed the claustrophobic darkness around them, then turned his sleepy gaze back to her. I don't even know where here is. <laughs> the last thing I remember happening is falling asleep on the Johnson's basement couch. <laughs> I made it I made it in without even waking up the dog this time. <laughs> I had to use the last of my mom's sleepy time pills last go. Oh my god. What? <laughs> Kayla said, but then thought better of it and moved on. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> this place is it's she paused for a moment. She had absolutely no idea what this place was or how she'd managed to end up here. She couldn't quite make out the last place she'd been in her memory, either. She was in her office, right? Nope. <laughs> Wait. We worked together before on a case, right? If so, no refunds under any circumstance. <laughs> He's already spent that money. Yeah, read the fine. Read the fine print under the lawn company ad on the other side of the card. That all counts for both businesses, Flinch snapped. <laughs> it's, it's contract law. Searching the pockets of his coat for something and coming up with nothing. Damn, did I finish that cottage cheese already? The Ziploc was right here. Oh, my God. I guess it turns out God does make mistakes, Kayla muttered to herself. <laughs> She looked under the chairs and circled the table. She was looking for any kind of clue about what this even was. Yeah, we worked together a while ago. The summoning in Huntington, West Virginia. You know, I just realized something. I didn't piss myself, Flinch exclaimed (laughs) like a revelation had come to him. (laughs) Kayla turned to look at him, her brows knotted and mouth agape. She couldn't even find the energy to verbally question him at this point. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, Flinch stood up and fanned at his crotch, pulling on the fabric of his slacks to show it better. There's nary a whiff of piss. <laughs> <laughs> that must mean that this is a dream, because in the waking world, let me tell you. No, Kayla held her hand up sternly. <laughs> Let's move on. It's a dream. Cool. That makes sense. What the hell are you doing here, though? I don't dream about piss-soaked reprobates. <laughs> reprobate? Hey, no piss. Not any piss, Flinch returned, offended. <laughs> Suddenly, Flinch slowly faded backwards into the darkness, without even a reaction to what was happening, the vision of his form breaking apart into slowly waffling particles of black smoke that eventually blended into the darkness. Kayla lurched forward with her hand out to stop it from happening, but it seemed to be just beyond her grasp. She clenched her hand at the edge of the light and drew it back. It didn't even smell like Lunchable's cheese anymore. (laughs) When she turned her eyes back to the table, sitting on it in front of the third chair was a pair of circle-rimmed sunglasses with scarlet-red lenses in them, neatly folded and facing towards her. She took a step back away from the table. The faint recollection of having seen those sunglasses before dancing just at the periphery of her memory. I suppose we made a mistake inviting him. 
He doesn't seem to have anything to do with this. A familiar. He doesn't even seem time. to have anything to do with anything <laughs> except misery, maybe. Yeah. Shh, shh, let's not point out the writer's faults. A, <laughs> a familiar, even-toned voice filtered from nowhere and everywhere at once. Who is this? Where is this? What do you want from me? Kayla began to feel panic welling up inside of her that she could barely control. Like something was crushing her lungs and the air was running out, though she couldn't understand why. What do we want from you? Uh, well, I suppose a resume and cover letter would suffice. A double space with at least three professional recommendations. The voice boomed out over the darkness once more, though subtle, friendly, and even keeled in tone. After all, it seems you're dead set on doing our job for us. Wh- <laughs> where? Why? I can't. I can't breathe. Kayla wheezed out, struggling to stand, even propping herself against a chair. Oh, I see. This was a bad time for an interview. Then <laughs> you take care of your business. We'll be watching. The voice faded away. The burning hot white spotlight clicked off. Even in the darkest, bleakest nothing she was now gasping for breath in, she could feel everything moving away from her from her, so very fast. Or maybe she was the one moving, falling away. She gasped, lurching her head up off the hard stone ground and coughing and sputtering blood into the air. She convulsed hard against whatever was pinning her down, but couldn't move her upper body or her legs at all. She began to scream, but then stopped. The memories of where she actually was in the waking world flooding back into her. It was a dream. She was several miles below 3rd Avenue in Huntington, West Virginia. Inside of some massive underground stone city, ancient beyond all measure, that the mayor had called something... Exen Shaleft? Oh, fuck. That was right, too. The mayor of Huntington, John T. Billiams, was part of the Acolytes of the Third Birth? The same cult that had almost summoned some horrific, immeasurably gigantic, eldritch whatever-the-fuck during the Blood Moon ritual. Yeah. She'd almost gotten away, but one of those yellow-eyed beasts that Billiams had sent to kill her had smashed into one of the old structures that made up the subterranean city and it had collapsed directly on top of her, burying not only her, but also her only weapon against any of this, her silver sword cane. Now she lay on the cold, wet ground of the vast cave that the city was built into, staring down the hazy, blue, miasma-lit streets, Hmm. waiting for the weight of the stones to crush her completely once a bit more of the building had collapsed down on her. She fluttered in and out of a haze herself, her vision swaying, having trouble steadying against the strange, unreal light that permeated the air here. But the sound of water running in the distance, and the strange, melodic hum that lingered in the air was soon overtaken by a much more familiar, much more dangerous sound. Footsteps Mm. in the distance. Unhurried What kind? Unhurried even. Light footsteps (laughs) against stone. I answer the questions that are given to me. Kayla tried to focus her eyes as best she could, but the pure black shadow these footsteps belonged to was upon her before she could push through the searing, crushing pain atop her to focus. It stood there motionlessly, 
for only a moment, its hand resting on top of its head, staring down at her with quizzical body language. Then it removed its hand, allowing its head to limply sag over to its left shoulder and lay down against it, the spinal bone jutting against the skin on the other side of the neck. Kayla wanted to scream, but there was no longer any air in her lungs. She was going to die either way within the minute. It didn't matter anymore what this horror did to her. Thud. 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 (laughs) Boom. She felt her body rocking with every loud bashing noise, but no extra pain burned at her senses beyond what she already felt. Her whole body jutting back and forth underneath the jagged rubble that pinned her until suddenly... It wasn't on top of her any longer. She hacked and coughed and gasped and wheezed and rolled over onto her side against the cold, hard ground, holding her ribs, which were racked with a stabbing pain that alerted every sense in her that something was horrifically wrong internally. But she wasn't trapped any longer, even her legs capable of pained, slow movement as she curled them up against her. Through the desperate attempt to get air back into her lungs, she looked back up at the darkened figure who had freed her from her soon-to-be eternal prison, her eyes blearily narrowing to try and glimpse the creature's face in the shadow. So does this mean I'm not going to get my credits this semester? Oh, fuck yes! (laughs) Kayla spit blood onto the ground, half out of necessity and half out of a genuine fucking spit take. (laughs) <laughs> Myrtle Smelly stood in front Myrtle of her. Smelly. Blood soaked and holding her head upright on her shoulders with one hand. She smiled, <laughs> blood red teeth in her mouth foaming at the edges from the effort. Look, I didn't want to sacrifice you to the Umbral Born. I just wanted to get into the local politics, Myrtle said demurely. <laughs> Kicking at small, loose rocks on the ground. This is the easiest way to do it. So, like, how about we just forget that I brought you here to gut you and remove your guts and then hang your guts up on some spires and then chant to your guts and then emulate your guts in holy fire and then take your guts in... All right. All right. Kayla held up a hand to stop her. Her other hand was tucked under her left rib, trying to hold it in place as best she could as she struggled up onto one foot and then one knee. She wobbled back and forth pretty heavily, even during that. How in the fuck of shit did you survive? (laughs) Your neck is broker than half the teaching staff at Marshall. (laughs) Myrtle thought for a second and then moved her hand, letting her head slump down against her shoulder and bob back and forth over it again. (laughs) With her hand, she began to count fingers, muttering to herself as she did. I did four, no, five, six, seven rituals of ascendance to leave my humanity behind and become an angel. (laughs) I just need four more and I can hear the eternal melody of God and ascend to become a true angel. She gripped her own hair and yanked it back up to its normal spot. Ow! (laughs) Are you gonna do the rituals like that? I don't know what the fuck any of that means, but cool, Kayla said, pushing herself up shakily to her feet, finally, using the rubble that lay all over the street to balance herself. If you can get me out of here, I'll give you the credit right fucking now. Oh, that'll be super easy! Myrtle threw up the devil horns and began to headbang. Very easily, I might add, with her grip and her hair yanking her head back and forth. Alive! Kayla interjected, holding up a hand to stop her yet again. You gotta get me out of here alive to get the credit. 
Oh, Myrtle stopped headbanging. Well, shit. <laughs> Myrtle stood there thinking for a moment, holding her head in place with one hand and rubbing her chin with the other. <laughs> Blood was literally pouring out of her in several places, and it started oh pooling on the ground around her fashionable Crocs. <laughs> Kayla looked around pointedly, trying to figure out a way of escape, preferably without a bobble-headed zombie that tried to sacrifice her in tow. But this place was sprawling out in every direction, and the gigantic stone gate they had entered originally was shut tightly behind them. The bar is not even big enough for a child to squeeze through them, and strangely barbed at that to maim anyone who tried. Okay, follow me! Myrtle turned and zoomed away, (laughs) skipping like a schoolgirl over the rubble, and the twin downed bestial bodies that flanked the street on either side. (laughs) Kayla winced, but followed suit, dragging one of her legs behind her, though neither of them felt up to the task of taking the lead. She couldn't help but notice that she was also trailing some blood. She needs that. She needs it on the inside. (laughs) Yeah, not on the outside. Myrtle led her down a long stone street and up an alleyway before running straight through the gigantic open doorway of a massively tall and long structure with a strange looping symbol etched onto the front of it where a cross might be on a monastery. It was obvious even from the outside what the building was, but as Kayla limped her way into the truth of the matter, it became inescapable. This was some kind of incredibly ancient church. The elongated building had struts and rafters of stone at the top of it that looked eerily like a rib cage inside of some mammoth beached whale that had rotted in the sun. Fuck it. detritus hanging from the stone from untold years of soot and soil and earth falling down upon it from the patchy stone roof above a single lengthy walkway spanning the entire length of the structure flagged on both sides by wide short stone pillars hundreds of them lined up in geometric rows seats pews it boggled her mind Myrtle stopped at the dais at the front of this ancient stone mockery of theism. She swept her arms up into the air at the obelisk at the center of the dais, which reached so high to almost touch the ceiling of the place. Ta-da! she yelled, her head falling back over her shoulders and dully slapping into her upper back. Ow! I... I don't even know what to say about this shit anymore, Kayla muttered half under her breath, (laughs) making the distance up between them as fast as she could, which wasn't very. (laughs) The obelisk was perfectly white marble, except what adorned the front of it, just at human height for some reason. A perfectly round silver shield, forged with a spiral pattern on the front of it in a style she had never seen before in her entire life. Kayla S. Hunter had studied antiquities, especially weapons, since finding out that the Silverblood Society seemed to use them exclusively. The tall man used some type of a long sword, the giant hairy guy had an axe, and the little one that never shut up carried a small sickle, all of them made of pure silver. She knew everything about how weapons were made, how armor was made, how shields were made, but everything about this one defied explanation. She reached for it for a moment before drawing her hand back away from it. This close, she finally noticed that the spirals were actually connected at points all over, creating what looked somewhat akin to a children's pen maze. Ooh, like a spirograph. Yeah. 
Uh, but at its center was a toothy mouth agape with two tongues sloughing out of it on either side. Do not put your dick in that. Something about that chilled her deeply to her very bones. Uh, it's a shield. You got to grab it from the other side or it don't work. Myrtle yelled. <laughs> don't work. Her screech from Saved by the Bell, but a girl voice echoing a hundred times <laughs> off the walls of this place. That's some Josh Henderson description. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, you dead fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're going to get us killed or sacrificed or what the fuck ever you people do in your old ass Stone City, Kayla snapped. <laughs> Oh, they already started the sacrifice after you got away. Westmoreland brought some babysitter he didn't want his wife to know about again. (laughs) But this time, they actually decided to use her in the sacrifice. They're probably like five or ten minutes away from it by now, Myrtle said sagely, (laughs) nodding her own head with her hand. Ow! Wait, the sacrifice to do what? Kayla said, snatching the silver shield off the wall and hoisting it down. She turned it around to look at the other side and noted how weirdly it seemed to be made on this side as well. Like a hand was meant to fit into it instead of an arm. But it would have to be a huge fucking hand. I like where this is going. Like maybe Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could fit it, but that's it. (laughs) Yao Ming, maybe. He was big. (laughs) Why the fuck is she thinking about basketball right now? Oh, the Acolytes figured that this city was special or something? Like, attached to the fallen angels that we... Uh, well, they. Not me anymore, of course. I'm on the straight and narrow now, boss. Myrtle smiled widely. The squeezing of her cheeks into the grin, causing blood to spurt out the sides of her bared teeth. That they worship. They think this is the silver city that the angels founded when they fell, and there's a sacrificing circle in the center of the city, so they're going to try and bring the Umbralborn again. They're going to totally beef it, though. (laughs) They're going to beef it! Oh, God. Fucking shit. This is... Wait. They're going to beef it? Kayla shot to attention. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like... Look at the symbology. Like, check it. Myrtle bent down to the ground and with her free hand began to move the wet dirt on the floor around with one finger. She drew the strange eye shape that all of the acolytes wore on their hoods first. See? This is a symbol that the acolytes were founded on, right? This is like uh, the umbral-born sigil or something, maybe? I don't know. I was only half paying attention. (laughs) Kayla felt her blood pressure rising but continued to listen. So have you seen that symbol anywhere down here? Nope, not even once. These dum-dums didn't even care. This place is chock full of that weird old script that none of us can read, and they're <laughs> going to try and summon an eldritch being down here without figuring out why nine of it li- none of it lines up? <laughs> <laughs> then why the fuck were you helping them then if you thought everything was going to blow up in their faces? Kayla screamed, her own voice echoing off the walls. <laughs> Well, you see, Miss Hunter, I'm a joiner, a team player kind of person. I'm not the quarterback, but I got a lot of school spirit, you know? It's like, shut up, shut the mouth, shut the mouth, Kayla screamed. She began jury-rigging the strapping of the silver shield onto her arm. She pulled it tight and felt it against her skin for the first time. For some reason, it didn't feel like normal leather. It felt... 
familiar, though. It's in, a, in a way that really unsettled her for some reason. <laughs> she shook it off quickly, though. Look, we're getting the fuck out of here. I have no idea what the hell is about to happen, but I'm in no shape to stop at this time. I'm dipping. Where the fuck is the I'm exit? Di- I'm dipping. <laughs> uh, That's how Jeff leaves parties. <laughs> I'm dipping. Uh... The big giant stone gate we were just at is the only entrance or exit I've ever used, Myrtle said sheepishly, <laughs> maybe actually feeling a non-cartoon emotion for once. <laughs> God damn it, Kayla grumbled under her breath, but didn't have much of a moment to think after. The ground beneath them began to shake, at first only a little, but growing more and more violent by the second. Kayla and Myrtle wobbled against the seismic current, trying their damnedest to stay on their feet. Everything around them was shaking, but nothing was falling apart, almost as if this place was built specifically to be able to withstand this. <laughs> as well as she could manage, Kayla pressed against the current beneath the ground and limped out into the street once more. The wind howled around her body, dragging the once lip, limp, glowing blue miasma in the air in a spiral towards the very center of the city. The endless ziggurat, which she had only been hmm. uh, upon a moment ago, on the precipice of. Her jaw was agape, and eyes wide at the vision that lay before her. Around the edges of the ziggurat, incalculably immense, decrepit, eroded ancient spires, made of flesh and bone, exposed, began to slither up the sides, like a dead man's hand grasping a trinket from beyond the grave. From the top of the ziggurat, spires of purple and blue light fired off into the caves, each of them focusing on a sigil carved into the stone of the city, the walls of the cave around it, or on the streets themselves, and illuminating the sigil in that color. Each shape that the brilliant light landed upon lit up inside in response to the violent shaking of the ground, which grew even stronger. Myrtle stood beside her now, watching through her broken Coke bottle lenses of what was unfolding before them. Watch out! She screamed, pointing at the light flecking off the top of the ziggurat and speeding towards them up the street. Just behind them, at the corner of their vision, a faint, hazy purple glow arose in one of the zigzag symbols etched into the ground where the light was meant to meet. (gasps) But Kayla, spurred on by an understanding that seemingly put her at calm and drove the pain from her bones for a moment, didn't move out of the way of the oncoming light, in the same way that her weird, loose-headed nerd companion did. (laughs) Instead, she raised the etched silver shield into the air in front of her and jerked it sideways. The light struck the shield, and the angle at which the reflective silver was turned caused it to splinter off directly into the immense open doorway of the stone church they were just standing within. Down the walkway, past the pews, under the dais where the white marble obelisk stood. The light struck the obelisk in a sound unlike any that any human being alive or dead had ever heard rang out (laughs) like a clarion bell within the domed cave confines of this ancient and sacrosanct place. To call it a sound would be to misunderstand. Because everyone who heard it that day, Kayla, Myrtle, the mayor, whoever else may have been within the city at that moment would tell you it was a voice. A voice beyond human understanding. (laughs) And it was screaming. Suddenly, the light above the ziggurat was gone. 
the thin incandescent blue miasma filtered back into the streets, into the heights of the cave, everywhere it had lit once before. Kayla's eyes focused, at first bleary against the change, and saw that they were where there were once pillars of unspeakable flesh and horror that was now, again, nothing. The trill humming that filled the air before was even gone now, the city silent enough that even in the distance from the ziggurat, she could hear the sound of human voices screaming in confusion and anger. <laughs> she, heard her, she heard her voice once or twice even. Maybe it was finally time to go. What? She turned the shield over in her hands. The front of it was scorched down the metal. The image of the labyrinth and the horrid mouth at its center barely raised and visible from the burning it had received. But the shield was no less brilliantly silver, reflecting every bit of light it caught. The gate! Myrtle yelled, pointing with the hand that had been holding her head up, causing it to flop against her chest. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Kayla turned to see the gigantic stone gate stood slightly ajar, exactly as it had been when they arrived at this hellish place. She didn't wait. She took off at a limping jog instantly, not, not even waiting or uh, for explanations or even to see if Myrtle was going to come with her. <laughs> Who cares? The sound of a head flopping around, creaking and slapping against skin behind her let her know even before the chorus of ow, ow, ow <laughs> hit her ears. <laughs> She didn't really care either way. The thoughts and of logistics and explanations would have to wait. She wasn't going to spend another minute here. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how quickly two horrifically maimed women can run up a couple hundred stone steps when they're really <laughs> motivated. <laughs> Before you could imagine it, both Kayla and Myrtle stood at the top of those stairs at the mouth of the cave tunnel that led them here to begin with. They looked back down at the stone city for just a moment, watching the wispy blue lights sway like water over the streets and spires as far as they could see. There was a strange, hypnotizing beauty to it. So, fuck this place, right? Myrtle said. <laughs> oh yeah, fuck this place right up its ass, Kayla responded. And the two of them limped into the darkness of the tunnel, disappearing beyond the, the sight of any who would follow. The entire way back, Kayla S. Hunter had been trying to figure out what the hell they were going to tell the student security guard at the top of Morrow Library Stacks. <laughs> yeah. The two of them were absolutely covered in blood, carrying a medieval silver shield, and Myrtle's head was only being held on by muscles, skin, and a prayer at this point. <laughs> she had been thinking of that, and only that, even over the endless cavalcade of excuses and apologies for Myrtle. She had started out explaining that they had kidnapped her as a child and brainwashed her like the end of A Clockwork Orange, but with, like, <laughs> culty videos and whatnot. <laughs> but she gave up on that one pretty quick. Then they had her parents locked up in a cell somewhere and were forcing her, but then she remembered she'd have to go save them at some point and drop that one, too. <laughs> By the time they were back on the first floor, she had settled on them making her dog into an antichrist. And he was the one telling her to do all this evil son stuff. Son of Sam. Like yeah. sacrificing her nice new boss. That was son of Sam, Kayla had reminded her. <laughs> Not even caring about the excuse at this point. There could be two sons of Samses, Myrtle rebutted, frustrated. <laughs> the double doors that led back out of Morrow stack stood before them. Kayla hesitated a moment and took a deep breath. 
She still had no idea what to say, but guessed that winging it was better than trying to snatch their IDs back and running away. (laughs) She pushed the doors open and stepped through, back into the fluorescent overhead lights of what counts as civilization these days. Am I right? Mm -hmm. And there was no one there. The desk chair sat motionless and empty behind the table. She jerked her head up to look at the security cameras above them, and they hung limp, the red recording light dim. Uh, Miss Hunter? Myrtle said without her normal level of enthusiasm, pointing to the large wooden desk itself. Sitting in the center of the desk were their two IDs, face up and awaiting them. (laughs) And far more inexplicably, laying across the table between them, was a battered but intact silver cane sword yeah, sheathed in its half-twisted scabbard. It was hers, all right, but she had absolutely not a single clue how the fuck it had gotten there from beneath the rubble so far below. It was the guy! Mm-hmm. How could... Kayla's voice was cut off by the phone sitting on the other side of the desk <gasps> suddenly yes. ringing, loud enough to startle both of them and make Myrtle take a step back away from it in fear. The two of them looked at each other for a moment, the phone ringing more insistently with each chime. Kayla reached across the desk and picked it up, weakly bringing it across to her ear. Hello? Miss Hunter, thank you for taking care of that little incident in town for us. A familiar voice came through, crackling static into her ear, sending a violent chill down her spine that caused every bit of pain she'd been ignoring Hmm. to come back all at once. We thought it would uh, only be polite to return what you lost. Look, I don't... We'll be in touch. The voice cut her off, and the line went completely dead. There was a long moment of silence before Kayla reached across the desk and hung the phone up. Who was it? Myrtle said cheerily, (laughs) her red-stained toothy grin returning. Jesus Christ, Kayla exhaled, looking at the broken abomination of a person standing in front of her. Oh, cool. What did he want? (laughs) The end. For real. That joke is the end. I never said I was a good writer. Oh, no. That was amazing. Thank you. Dude, I want that shield to be like all things, you know? Mm Like the shield will of course return. <laughs> oh good. Like uh, Captain America. <laughs> but but cool. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Less you, of a virgin. Marvel? Yeah. <laughs> Less of an idiot who I don't care about at all. <laughs> I'm glad she got a cane sword back. How did he yeah, get anytime there? a sword is reunited with its owner, I'm I'm a mm-hmm. sucker for mm-hmm. it. A fucking plus. Thank I hope you. I hope also you keep Myrtle as this Pez dispenser character. Yeah. <laughs> now, it reminds Kayla... me a lot of uh what's that movie with Seth Green where he has a bottle in his oh, head? Idle hands. Oh, idle, idle hands. hands yeah. Yeah. It's very idle hands, yeah. Which how I is love. she gonna func how's she gonna function in public though? Like with her head. <laughs> how does she function in public regularly? That's true. Put, put a hat over it. <laughs> 
Make her wear a scarf. <laughs> a big Make her wear hat. like a big scarf. Just a big. Scarf. Oh my god, you could totally do the Victorian woman with a neck neckerchief, and if you take it off, her head just flops to one side. <laughs> oh, no, you just you always give her a neck brace, like perpetual neck oh, brace. Oh, that would be right? so okay. funny. That's where I'm going. Perpetual that's, neck brace. That's because yeah. I do plan on Myrtle continuing to be her sidekick for a while. Yes. Oh my god, I love how Myrtle is like a reflection of the kid with the samurai like oh yeah there's, there's this like duo-ness that like the, the kid's always fucking annoying and dead oh, yeah. that's true Almost. you should not have children Jeff <laughs> I knew this already uh, I know yeah Kayla has not harmed Myrtle period though so. yeah no yeah I, Myrtle yeah. fell off a building I love that uh, Kayla is now now surrounded by fucking idiots. Yeah. <laughs> the only competent person. Um, That's I've, living. I've, have I told you this before? I think whenever you talk about Indrid, um, that's his name, right? Yeah, Indrid Cole. Indrid Cole. Um, I always think of the guy who plays the Corinthian in the Sandman series. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Because of his glasses, because of the southern drawl. Um, like, he'd be such a good Indrid Cole. Yeah, I'm I always fan think casting of like, your fucking story now. <laughs> I always think of uh, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the bad guy. Oh, I always yeah. think of him. I mean, he is but supposed to be him. very unsettling, mm. but like he's not like like he's like not like creepy in the same way. Mm-hmm. But he's like equally as tall and like hat man like. Mm. He's a spooky guy. He's, he's no he, cricket man. He though. loves to talk no. on the phone. He loves to call you late at night on the phone. I love that he likes phones. I imagine <laughs> he's got like a rotary telephone. Yeah. You, you There's can, something so creepy you, about a phone ringing to us mm. as millennials, yeah. right? Like, it's I, fucked I don't up. I talk to somebody on the fucking yeah. phone. <laughs> yeah. Like, the phone ring. If I heard a phone ring right now, I would piss myself. Because I don't have one. Because <laughs> there's not one in the house. There's not one here, yeah. That so. would be piss yourself worthy. <laughs> oh. I love this story, yeah, man. I'm glad good. you came back to this. Yeah. I, you, you didn't do you didn't do what I do, which is leave a cliffhanger and then d- tell Not a different for- story for a couple of weeks, <laughs> five weeks. Yeah, I was going to, but then like I got shield, and I was yeah. like, wait a second, that goes along with what I wanted to do in mm-hmm. the next part of the story. Sometimes, at least you put a shield in yours. I put like two half-ass shields in mine. That was good. There was a shield in yours. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the you- big dome was a shield. Do you know um, what? Sometimes the uh, the most obvious prompts. Uh, this is to the audience as well. The most obvious prompts are the hardest. Yeah, that's like, true. Because you don't want to be obvious. Frogs yeah. turned out quite easy, and so did socks. Weird. And they were the weirdest socks, prompts we've socks done. Socks gave us one of my favorite characters on the entire <laughs> show. Rich's sock man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best dude. And like the best joking. weapon. That's true. <laughs> oh, the cat socks. Yeah. Weapon and friend. The cat Katana. Yeah. Katana. The pun that I had we a corn tana and a katana. <laughs> the pun that we only got like the week after. <laughs> That's how I roll, boys. <laughs> I know that somebody's going to point this out that my story had no curses in it, but I Kayla cursed all the time. Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay. We talked about this um in our little chat. Didn't we? We said that, yeah. like, yeah. you know, when when I did the art for it, 
Like, that's what I thought of instantly when I thought curses. And I was like, we've got this one covered. We got it covered in the intro. <laughs> I actually made uh, her curse more than usual in this story. She was flying so off, would yeah. It. Also, dude, like, Myrtle Smelly is a curse yeah, unto herself. Yeah. <laughs> and she sort of cursed herself with immortality, even though yeah. she's got like a gross neck now. She told, sold her soul to the Umbral Born. Mm-hmm. She's got a death becomes her kind of thing going on. Yeah. I love that movie I love too. That movie. Such a good movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Myrtle. It's nice that I've made a character that might be able to compete with Pavlov Flinch for annoying the the listener. <laughs> They're gonna fall in love. Yeah, it's true. Love. If you do them sloppy kissing, I'm off the show. Sloppy <laughs> cheese kisses. Myrtle's I'd like, fire myself. Myrtle's like. <laughs> Nineteen or twenty, and uh, I mean, my boy Pavlov Flinch is whatever I mean, old middle age that's like funny at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him though. I mean, right? Yeah, like that's pretty. That's pretty good character development. <laughs> God. I try to give them some redeeming something once in a blue moon. Myrtle came back and helped. Eh, she's <laughs> legal. And a part of Pavlov Flinch could be played by James Franco. Oh, no. Don't put that shit on me. <laughs> he would just walk in and they'd be like, wow, Mr. Franco, you did your own makeup. And he'd be like, what? <laughs> who uh, Who are you guys saying should play Pavlov Flinch before? Richard Kind. Richard Kind. <laughs> Richard I'm, Kind. I'm definitely down for that. Mm-hmm. Richard Kind. For some oh reason, we're God. fucking like fan casting my fucking fake story. <laughs> I don't think Richard Kind is like gross enough. Like oh, he's he weird enough, that. but yeah, I don't know. I, think he could, I don't know. I think you could play it up. Well, I, you know, I, whoever yeah. the guy who plays Toby on The Office was my first choice. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> or That's the... um, Colin Farrell in the Penguin makeup from the Batman. yeah, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like Richard Kind but grosser? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm just gonna mocap Rich for the robot in mine. <laughs> He's gonna be like fucking what's his name? Smeagol. We we have uh, uh, seventeen thousand hours of footage of mocap for Rich the robot, but yeah. he's just drinking tea the whole time. <laughs> Every, Every scene. scene he's drinking tea. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll like fucking George Lucas in like a fucking like. Like torture something, right? Like just it's still <laughs> holding it to his mouth, drinking I, it out. I was imagining the robot having two arms, and it does stuff with those <laughs> arms. And there's just a third arm that comes out the side that's holding a <laughs> out of his back. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll yep. have you know, I'm not actually drinking the tea right now because my cup is empty. Oh, well, no. that's a you sin. Were, you were already drinking it a minute ago. Is yeah, why. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to get deported if you do not go get some tea. <laughs> I finished it about half an hour ago. Um, well, I mean, my cup is empty. Our story is done. Time for a break. <laughs> Cuppa time. <laughs> we'll that's be what you guys say, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cuppa. Bye. <laughs>
Welcome back uh, to part three of Bros Before Pros. Uh, we are doing shields and curses, and now it's my turn. So strap oh, in, shit. strap on, because this is a long one. Strap up. <clears throat> That's what we say in America with yeah. guns. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we don't have that. Strap yeah. up, but with cricket bats. You have, like, sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Not even pointed sticks. Really blunt yeah, sticks. Rounded sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my episode is called The Last Days of Ithia Parentheses, get your tissues Because you're going to jizz or cry Close parentheses What's the difference, am I right? Exactly, it's just wiener crying <laughs> I'll cry white tears out of my pee hole Yeah, Look, yeah. Uh, Just a little warning up front Rich has told us that this story Is going to make us either very sad Or very mad yeah, yeah, so if you're got and not in a good place, just, just don't listen to Rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just save me for a better day. Save me for yeah. a better day that I can ruin. <clears throat> right. The kid stumbled in the mud in front of Hallie and ate dirt, fully faceplanting the ground. She was black-robed and black-dressed, like she'd come from a My Alchemical Romance concert. <laughs> Without Great breaking story. stride... The wood elf swooped the girl up in her arms and used her sword, the fucker-upper, to chop clean through one of the trees in her path. It collapsed behind her, taking some of the chitinous, robotic demons, pursuing them down with it, crushing their guts up through their head like gross tubes of toothpaste. (laughs) Nine out of ten dentists would not have recommended it. Hallie and her charge burst into the clearing, a vast flat circle where there was no cover and nowhere for the two to hide. It was perfect. This was it, where they'd fight. As the robotic monsters swarmed around them in the clearing, Hallie noticed that they were each composed of they were each composed of various different species: the clawed arm of a crustacean clansman, the slick, hairless torso of a merman, the horse legs of a centaur, or maybe a horse. Who could tell? <laughs> Really ugly centaurs are just horses. <laughs> the clapping butt cheeks of a redonkadonkula. <laughs> each, uh, each part stitched together with the same black wires they had found around the countdown tree at Gladecleft. They were monstrosities, disgusting abominations of the technomancer that had been risen from the dead and revived, revived by dark malice unthinking, unfeeling affronts to life that she'd happily put down. She shook her head. Where had this rage come from? She had remained calm whilst her kin had been slaughtered by the dank pit dwarves, while she had fought the Ithian wars once she joined the royal guard. She even had retained her composure when the Technomancer destroyed all the major cities of Ithia in the last few months. She was, to all who knew her, cooler than a polar bear's testicles with a pair of aviator shades on. (laughs) <laughs> the, wait, the testicles have the yep, shades on? Yep, absolutely That's fucking cool <laughs> But recently, she was fury Red, hot, burning Don't ticket me, I've only been here for five minutes To drop something off Oh god damn you, you're ticketing me Why don't you get a real job, you jumped up Nazi Aggression personified <laughs> You better watch out, that guy is a stick <laughs> One of the creatures opened their mouth wide but what came out wasn't their voice. It was a chilling whisper that was somehow a hiss, quiet but somehow burning. Give in, Swift Feather. I have seen your slaughter at my hands. It is glorious. 
Sick. Halley sneered. When I die, I'm going to be surrounded by comatose men, be it in bed or on the battlefield. It, <laughs> it won't be due to some tin can who thinks they're a demon god. Suddenly, she threw the young child at the lead cyber zombie, who recoiled at her apparent callousness. Obviously, he did not have children of his own. <laughs> Damn! As the child <laughs> threw <laughs> mixed parenting messages in today's episode of Rose. <laughs> as the child, it's all pretty clear to me. <laughs> <laughs> as the child flew through the air, it became a black wraith that abandoned human shape and enveloped the beast tearing chunks off it until it was a quivering pile of machinery. The Darkling Tabor took his humanoid form again, inky black arms stretching. And they say kids are a burden. Editor's note, (laughs) kids are indeed a burden, a horrible, life-sucking burden. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. How did we survive? How did we, how were we raised? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> wild to think about. The frogman Barthor and the jelly skelly Blotch jumped down from the surrounding trees, Blotch dowsing a few of the robots in her jelly skelly acidic insides as the force <laughs> from her frogman friend's cudgel demolished three more. Rhea Gray, the human ranger, looked morose as she uncloaked behind one of the Technomancer zombies and slit the central fuel line in its neck, causing it yes. to convulse and fl- fall to the floor. Heath Did she up- do that? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Go to sleep. Heath picked up the body with the strength expected from the son of an alternate reality technomancer and turned another few to dust. Doots played a lullaby that sent the other robots to sleep, meaning that the diminutive moth Mookie could finish them off by running around and unplugging them. <laughs> <laughs> Just unplug them. And quickly, they were alone in the clearing all of them panting from the exhaustion of their ruse. Barthor scratched at his neck, where his universal translator was buried just under the skin, his, the, the skin that was dry and red, and the scratching was unbearably loud. Rhea gritted her teeth and then turned to him. Damn you, frog! Stop that incessant scratching! You're getting your frog flakes everywhere! Ew! It's my favourite cereal. <laughs> That's the grossest thing we've said today. (laughs) (laughs) Only if you stop that incessant whining grey, Blotch stepped in as she always did, but this time it only made Barthor angry. I can fight my own battles, Blotch, especially against a sweaty Humey. Damn racism. It had been like this for weeks, with no sleep, no comfort, no respite. Just the guilt they all felt at falling for the Technomancer's obvious ruse to draw them out months ago. Before the Nightmare Council was formed, they had been plagued by evil visions, but this was even worse. They were all so raw and exposed, like a nudist in a sandpaper factory. Oh! (laughs) What? (laughs) As Doots brought her hand down from rubbing her itchy neck, she sneered at her fellows. You're all so quick to knife each other the moment we're finished fighting. Can we not all just take a moment's peace? Mookie chimed in. Um, you, you could play something relaxing. It, it might help us. Doots turned her gaze on her friend. We don't all solve our problems via mental manipulation, Mookie. Ooh. Whoa. Ooh. That was unnecessary. Uh, not from Doots' point of view. Mm. Mookie looked ashamed before Tabor rallied against Doots. And they call me Dark. 
Maybe you <gasps> should remember it's forgive and, and forget, Bard, not forgive and twist the knife. Ooh. All, yeah. All through this, the mechanical man Heath surveyed his new family and must have been wondering what he had let himself in for. At least he wasn't fighting, Halley sighed. Enough, the wood elf finally said. I know we're at the end of our patience. I know we're being hunted, but our people need us. We've found, we've liberated thousands of survivors these last four months. All we have left to do is check the capital for survivors, and then we join the refugees at the docks, board the longboats, and get the hell out of Dodge. After we take the Technomancer down, of course. (laughs) That little thing. Um, (laughs) Is that it? (laughs) The group fell silent, feeling the tide of shame when you're faced with the unkindnesses you have uttered, but also because of the mere mention of the Technomancer. They had voiced their reservations, the worries they couldn't shake. It didn't change their leader's mind. Did uh, did anyone else see how good I looked in that black dress? Table whistled. <laughs> <laughs> I caught sight of myself in a puddle and nearly fell in love with myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Blotch chuckled. You're already in love with yourself, Darkling. You just had a more reasonable excuse this time. <laughs> <laughs> Doots placed her head on Mookie's shoulder, and Mookie brought a wing round a, uh, a brought a wing around their friend. Heath crossed his legs and opened a compartment in his chest, bringing a, a bottle of sweet wine from a compartment within. I uh, I found this in the Elven settlement we saved three weeks ago. I was going to save it for when we, well, it seems more apropos now. He tossed the bottle to Barthor, who uncapped it with his cudgel and then brought the label to his face. Centaur's stagger runeshine. Every mouthful <laughs> equals one bad decision. Well, <laughs> we got plenty of those tweet us already. Rich, <laughs> did you say runeshine? Yep. <laughs> oh my that's, god. <laughs> that's genius. <laughs> genius. Um, he took a swig, then handed it to Blotch. She poured it onto her front and absorbed it through her shell, the wine <laughs> swirling in her transparent jelly and dissolving. <laughs> I've tasted better chariot fuel, but it'll do the job. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> the bottle went round the group until emptied as they told stories. Tabor told us a tale of how he'd led a group of darklings to victory against the clan of Daves by pretending to be their shadows and infiltrating their camps. Rhea told (laughs) Rhea told of hunting a whale by being swallowed and gradually cutting her way out with the corpse of an old wooden puppet (laughs) (laughs) Dukes played a piece she'd been writing called Silken Wing but when Blotch begged Barthor to tell a war story he went sad and quiet I've been wanting to talk to you oh shit what am I saying I've been wanting to talk to you about these visions the Technomancer have been feeding me. I fall in battle. All went silent again, but Barthor th- simply smiled. Don't you dare be sad. I wanted you to know that I'm not afraid of death. I'm not running from it. I'm with you all till the end of the road. Because uh, we all know how good frogs do with roads. The group laughed as Blotch lifted the oh! bottle. <laughs> and poured a sip over her head. We know that piece of crap planted all those dreams to pull us to Gladecleft. You need to leave that shit with that dump truck ass of yours, man, behind you. <laughs> <laughs> we 
With the mood and spirits lifted, they slept, but not well. Despite Blotch's words, Rhea Gray was assailed by the same nightmare she'd had for a year, of a death she couldn't fathom, couldn't understand. In her sleep, she scratched at the growing transla- glowing translator behind her ear. Dutes had packed her bedroll away before Mookie had even opened their eyes. They stared at the dark murkiness, feeling more tired than the night before. It's still night, Mookie mumbled, rubbing their eyes with their four legs. God damn, she's so cute. <laughs> Please don't die! Dutes shook her Rip. head, running a whetstone down the edge, axe edge of her keytar. No, it's just always this dark now. The axe edge was sharp enough already, and Dutes was just scraping the stone against the metal, causing sparks to fly everywhere. Mookie put a hand on hers to stop her. What's wrong? Dutes put down the instrument and pulled Mookie close, embracing them like a frightened child. Surprised, Mookie returned the embrace, squeezing their friend tight. I I felt like I died, but it wasn't me, it was another me. It it is so stupid, it's so crazy. It's not stupid. Heath told us there was a you, another version of you in his universe. The portal she made, sent him through, it drew you there. You might be feeling the deaths of other Dutes Bardleys. You don't think I'm crazy? No, Mookie smiled. Barthor is having death premonitions. Haley's so furiously revenge-filled. Blotch is being extra snarky. No one is themselves, Mookie shook their head. Or maybe everyone is. Someone needs to convince Hallie to drop it, to abandon this. The Technomancer already won. It's time to leave. They turned to the far side of the camp, where Hallie was checking over her armour and weapons, readying them for a battle no one else wanted. Heath approached her, his metal body glistening against what little light crept through the canopy. Attempting to kill the Technomancer is folly, he said, so direct and brazen that the rest of the group stopped what they were doing and fell silent. (laughs) Blotch even put down the mutton leg she was dissolving through her shell. (laughs) (laughs) Just sticking it in and pulling it out. I didn't ask your opinion, Heath, Hallie muttered, keeping her eyes on her shield, Steve. Uh, (laughs) She was was polishing the shield so vigorously (laughs) that if it were sentient, it would have paid handsomely for the privilege. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you should, Heath said calmly. I am the son of a technomancer, one that destroyed or subjugated every world he came into contact with. If his equivalent is here, in this universe, I have one piece of advice for you. Run. Find the deepest, (laughs) darkest corner of the universe you can find, and hide in it. He is a cancer, a horror, a plague of locusts come to destroy your harvest. Barthor elbowed Blotch in the belly. Sounds delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's a frog. (laughs) Mookie watched as Hallie put down her rag and set the shield down on the floor. She looked up at Heath. Her eyes narrow, but voice calm, for now. This technomancer took everything from us. Every person we knew, our lives. We didn't grow up sitting on his lap, being coddled like a little prince droid. We fought (laughs) to stop him. Heath was unfazed. And you failed. The same as I did. Hallie gathered her stuff and stood, rubbing at her neck as she did. Not yet. The capital city of Etrus was once a gleaming bastion of interwoven nature, crystal and metal. The great tree of Harad Natar, nearly a mile in height and with a root system that stretched even further, stood in the city, in the centre, 
its large chambered structure occupied by homes and businesses of all shapes and sizes. The great tree was built into the organic framework of every beam and strut of the city. Natural leaf canopies shaded roads and roots plaited into bridge that crossed rivers that flowed under and through the streets. Every shop was artisanal. No Starbucks, no McDonald's, no Walmarts. <laughs> nice. Shopkeepers traded hand-forged items and hand-grown produce. There was no poverty, no crime, no creepos wolf-whistling women whenever they exposed an, in- exposed an inch of flesh. <laughs> the city had been alive working with those who lived in her to grow and strive together. But now it was dead. The Technomancer's bombs, pushed through Ifia for miles on electric conduits, had been mistakenly absorbed by the tree's root system, and when they had exploded in their clouds of heat and light, the tree had split and ruptured. The absence of its girth from the horizon had distressed Halley. That much was obvious. But as she grew closer, Dutes noticed her demeanour change completely. And by the time they saw that the tree had fallen, dead and blackened by fire, Halley was moving towards the city at a sprint, eager to kill whatever was left in the second of her homes to be gutted by enemies. She ran on adrenaline and rage, and quickly left them behind to the taste of wood smoke that still lingered on the air. By the time Dutes and the rest caught up with her, she was knee-deep in robotic zombie corpses, Swinging the fucker-upper with such force that a red mist surrounded her that turned out to be demon blood. Yeah! (laughs) Barthor raised his cudgel and Rhea Grey her pistols, ready to assist, but it was already done. Heath brought a scanning device up and held it aloft, everyone else more than slightly suspicious of the technology he held. It pinged loudly, causing the party to jump. What now? Tabor hissed. Heath raised an eyebrow. All life forms left in the city are condensed into one area, a small shack carved into the outer mountain wall with large catacombs underneath. It's um, the enclave of the Mothman prophesiers, Mookie muttered. <gasps> no! I forgot about those. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Dutes turned to her moth friend. She didn't want to go back there again, the place they had butchered her mind over and over. But if it meant saving whoever was left from that ghoul, they had no choice. Blotch, Barthor, Rhea Grey and Tabor took point, picking off the Technomancer's roving guards with little to no effort. They were efficient killers and made short work of any fiends they found. Tabor was a shroud of death, like that scratchy blanket your nana has. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, nana. <laughs> Moving unseen in shadows. It's called fabric software, bitch. <laughs> Moving unseen in shadows and tearing robots apart. Rhea picked them off from the rooftops with her repeating crossbow pistols, her robotic eyes swivelling around to find new targets before the current arrow had even found its mark. She was always quiet and morose, but today she was non-communicative. Blotch and Barthor were flamboyant as always, using any variation they could to take down the enemy, their environment, weapons, each other... At one point, Blotch <laughs> stepped into Barthor's, onto Barthor's cudgel and he launched her into a robot who the, she then absorbed, slowly disintegrating <laughs> it in her own bodily fluids as it oh, kicked her shell from within. They're using the fucking Mario and Luigi bros <laughs> moves right now. <laughs> Dude, she's going to have diarrhea. <laughs> I'm somewhat of an expert on that. Josh has eaten his fair share of evil zombie robots. <laughs> They were a whirlwind of death, a 
and anything that got caught up in their dance was quickly destroyed. But there was a meticulous to it, n- meticulousness to it, a machine-like quality, hyper-focused, efficient. Mookie and Doot spread through the rubble, looking for survival and finding f- survivors and finding few. Whenever they found someone, a dwarf half-buried, a goblin scavenging, Doots played a tune that only they could hear on the keytar that led them out of the city and set them on the path towards the boats waiting at the docks. From afar, Heath almost admired it. They were all so vehement in their defence of their people and world that it made him feel ashamed to have sat under his father's shadow for so long. If 107, his former friend and manservant, hadn't bonded with him, (laughs) would he have ever been able to articulate those thoughts? Hallie stood by Heath, every hundred metres or so, asking if he detected the technomancer yet. It was infuriating. But eventually they came to a small wooden shack sticking half out of the mountain, and as soon as they crossed the doorway, the scanner in Heath's hand pinged loudly. A new energy signature. There were over a hundred lifeforms huddled closely, and two distinctly different ones further into the complex. Hallie took the scanner. What is it? It's too low to be sure, but... Heath began. Technomancer, Barthor growled. Heath nodded, and immediately Hallie took the lead. She pointed to Doots, Blotch, Tabor and Rhea Gray. You head towards the people we're here to save. Get them out, and then rejoin the rest of them. Rest of us. We need to see if it's really him. Mookie has seen him before, and Heath might be able to find a weakness of some sort. Barthor's with me for muscle. Why not me? Doots asked. Because you need to work out a tune to teleport these people out of here, like Heath said Heath's version could. Hallie knelt down as Doots returned a terrified look, putting her hand to the bard's shoulder. I know you can do it. Just relax like you always do. You'll get it done. You're great. Doots nodded, and her team, her and her team, vanished into the darkness to free whomever was waiting down in the bowels of the catacombs. Father Flicker, lead seer of the Order, had been in the pit being tortured for three days now. So this new pain sat atop the old, and he barely even (laughs) registered it. The same questions. Where was the Omnisia? Where was this Nexus? Where was Halley Swiftfeather? The same response was sent back. Why don't you suck a discarded carapace, you undead fiend? Does that mean dick in their language? (laughs) Uh, I imagine it's just old, shitty shells. Oh... Not as bad as a dick, Josh, I guess. Josh was so disappointed. Just that- <laughs> it's a carapace of a dick. There you go. I wanted this old mothman to say, suck my dick so bad. <laughs> I like you, Flicker. You see the future and rail against it. It would be so brave if not for its futility. The technomancer chuckled and ripped Father Flicker's last wing from his back, where it evaporated oh. into dust. Oh. You seem awfully scared by an old moth close to death, Flicker smiled through the pain. The technomancer slapped Flicker across the face. Closer than you think. His wings had now been taken. His two hind legs burned away. He was dying, that was for certain. But he could do so with dignity and honour. As long as Mookie stayed away, but oh god, there she was on the edge of the pit. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that up. With swift feather, a frog... And a robot? Unless he was delirious, <laughs> he really hoped so. Last chance, ancient thing. Where are they? Right there. 
<laughs> Hallie watched the father take hit after hit, feeling Mookie flinch against her with every blow landed. Hallie held her back. They needed to make sure the prisoners were free before they attacked, but her focus switched to the Technomancer, finally seeing it in its true form. Every part of it moved constantly, as if a tide of misery writhed underneath its cloak. Its hunched body juddered and twitched with every word and action, horned helm shaking. It was horrible to behold, a technological lich that threatened to kill them all. Barthor gripped his cudgel with white knuckles, wanting to jump down and rip the ghoul apart. Heath stood still watching the thing he called a father in a different body. Ping! Hallie froze, all oh of God. them staring down at the scanner <laughs> at her waist. She hadn't, That's amazing. She hadn't silenced it. The good news was that <laughs> the good news was that Dutes had figured out how to teleport the survivors out. The bad news was that the Technomancer apparently had ears under those ram horns. <laughs> I don't think I need your services anymore, Flicker. The Technomancer purred as he turned to face Halley. Fly, Mookie! Father Flicker shouted before fl- thick black tendrils ran him through the chest. He slumped, dead. Mookie screamed in protest, but it was much too late. Come to me, future corpses. Technomancer grinned. (laughs) Mookie flew at the Technomancer, hitting him and somehow flying between his attacks, anticipating them. Barthor and Heath followed, raining blows against the monster. As Hallie landed, she drew the fucker upper and slashed at the Technomancer's face, but he was too fast, stabbing her deep between the lobstered armour she wore at her ribs. It was impossible to fight here, the quarters too close, their opponent too devious. Barthor was slashed across the leg, severing his quadricep, and as Heath stepped in to prevent a barrage of tendrils sent to kill the frogman, the android's arm exploded in sparks and fizzing. This is so much fun. The technomancer's black tongue ran across its metal teeth. <laughs> Tell me when you've warmed up. <laughs> He's so evil! He's an evil bastard! Suddenly, kind of want to join him. <laughs> he's just—he's just so dapper with his ram horns. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, a golden door appeared in the wall behind them, and Dutes, nose bleeding and looking as if she were about to collapse, appeared. If we're going, we go now. Barthor hobbled through, propped up by a da- badly damaged Heath, as Mookie grabbed Flicker's corpse and had flitted towards the portal. "You go!" Halley shouted. "I can't let him live." Not today, General. Mookie flew at Halley, taking them all back through the portal as Halley screamed and fought against the momentum. You'll be back, Swiftfeather. We've both seen it. The Technomancer's laughter echoed through the portal as it closed. Editor's note. Perfect place to add a to-be-continued Mesa, you may say. But nah, I've got to finish this one. (laughs) (laughs) Heath sat by the fire, tending to Halley's wound with his one arm spraying her with the cellular regeneration spray. He had finished Barthor's leg an hour ago, but it would take a long while to fully heal. Across from them, Mookie stroked Doot's golden hair as she lay in the moth's lap. The bard looked close to death, her glow significantly diminished. When they first arrived here, General Swiftheather had ordered them to send her, ordered her to send them back, but the bard collapsed, lacking the strength to even speak. The new ability had nearly destroyed her, and she couldn't even fathom doing it again. Rhea whispered to herself, rocking back and forth, the things they had seen in the prison hard to describe. They had gotten hundreds of survivors back here and told them to march to the evacuation point. 
Heath knew that they should follow, but his fellows, fellows were much too injured. We fight again tomorrow, Halley stood and announced. We go back after a night's rest. You can piss right off, Barthor stood hobbling. <laughs> and went snout to somewhere in Halley's midriff. <laughs> Look at us, Halley. We're four parts fucked. We're no match for him. <laughs> so British. Even if all eight of us were tip top, he'd kill us all. <laughs> Not if we... You're cracked, lass. There ain't no way I'm sending... There ain't no way I'm sending Blotch, Doots, or any of my friends back there like sacrificial lambs for your refren- your revenge. You're almost as bad as the tech... The frogman... The frogman gasped thinly and lurched forward, then fell to the ground with a whispered call to Blotch. Four arrows stuck out of his back, thick green blood oozing from the wounds. What?! Rhea stood behind him, holding her crossbow pistols. She looked at them, her hands shaking, then at Barthor in shock, as if it was a stranger's finger on the trigger. The pistols dropped to the floor. Blotch knelt down to her friend, holding a hand to his mouth to check if he was breathing, but as no breath clouded Blotch's hand's shell and her head fell, Heath knew that Barthor was dead, slain by one of their own. I... I'm mad at you. (laughs) That was one of them. I'm mad at you. (laughs) I, 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 I didn't, Rhea muttered, tears streaming down her shocked face, even from her robotic eyes. Blotch flung herself at Rhea, her thick, tube-like fingers wrapping around the ranger's throat and sending her to the ground. The rest of them froze, understandably shocked. Barthor's body lay there, his eyes open, the shock of betrayal clear on his face. I'll kill you, human! Blotch's jelly insides glowed a fierce red, her bones shaking in the boiling liquid. And it was then that Heath noticed something. Her translator, pulsing red in the mix. It wasn't me, it couldn't have been me, Rhea gasped, not even defending herself. It doesn't make sense. Do it, Halley whispered. Kill her, Tabor shouted. And even as the tears streamed down her face, Mookie nodded. She, She deserves it. Heath looked at each of them, at the patches of skin on their necks, rubbed raw by incessant itching. He pulled a small steel orb out of a compartment on his thigh and set it on the floor. It detonated with a silent pop. But everything went silent. No birdsong, no sounds of nature. It was as if the world had switched off. Blotch let go of Rhea's neck instantly, and Mookie and the rest of them seemed to shake their heads collectively, as if waking from a dream. Welcome back, everyone, Heath said pointing to the steel orb. This is a communications disruptor. He'd been whispering through the translation devices you use, Heath said, pulling an arm panel open. Listen. A repeating, hissing whisper could be heard from Heath's arm. Gilesh, Fokar, Gorum Vetus. The sound was as if nightmares themselves were speaking directly to Mookie. Are you hexing us, Rich? (laughs) Are you filled with an urge to kill? Yeah, always. <laughs> then yeah, my urge to kill went down. What does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> Results may vary. Visions of the deaths of friends and being alone, and it filled them with fear. What does it mean? Rhea asked with a quiver, her hands shaking at the realization of what she'd done. It is a curse, an old dwarven and lich dialect crossed. Heath closed the arm panel, and they all looked as if they were grateful for the silence. 
Loosely translated, it means restless, unending fear. It would have tormented you all to madness. Blotch looked to Rhea, and though she was ridden with despair, she managed to look the ranger in the eyes. Um, I'm sorry. I, I should have known it wasn't. Rhea shook her head, muttering quietly. You have done nothing to apologise for. None of us have. She turned to Halley. But I'm done. I'm heading for the longboats at first light. And so they were two down. After burning Barthor and Flicker's bodies so they couldn't be used by the Technomancer, Halley instructed them all to bed down and volunteered to take the first watch. She stared out over the woods, high up in her tree perch, and knew there was something different in the air. These woods felt strange now, alien, as if like no place she had ever known. Like the very earth was poisoning them. She felt no connection to the soil or the trees. Ingot for your thoughts? A clearly exhausted <laughs> Mookie hovered over her. Wings barely strong enough for sustained flight. They're not worth half of that, Mooks. Gods, Barthor. I've known him for 20 years. He trusted me, Halley wept. We're going to die, aren't we? Mookie landed on the branch next to her. We're, um, we're all going to die, Halley. Halley tutted. <laughs> I meant fighting this thing. So did I. But let me ask this. If I told Barthor he was going to die this morning, would he have tried as hard? Would he have fought as strongly, loved as freely? There's a reason we're not supposed to know the future, Halley. The question I should ask you is, why are we fighting? Why don't we run? The Technomancer has killed so many. Let's just get on the longboats and leave. I can't let it win. I can't let it take any more from us. Sometimes when you lose this much, Mookie, the pain is too deep. Or is that just stubbornness? Hallie sighed, but as she turned, Mookie had fallen asleep, their antennae <laughs> twitching as they snored, and leaving Hallie to the silence of the forest. Tabor had been awake for an hour before the others rose from their stupor. He was still tired, but he liked the rumours that he didn't sleep. It added to their <laughs> suspicions of him. <laughs> <laughs> It was an oddly new feeling to still desire to be the outsider, but to crave their acceptance. He supposed that's what came with truly caring about people, even that swamper frogman he had come to call brother. He hugged the shadow of an oak, watching whilst Rhea Grey packed her bag and left. He had contemplated asking her to stay, but the horror she had committed, even though it wasn't her doing, was too much to bear. He understood and said a silent prayer to the dark for her safekeeping. And when Hallie Swiftfeather got up shortly after and marched back to Etrus and her destiny, Tabor still just watched. Who was he to stop her? She needed to kill the Technomancer. There was no life outside of that road for her anymore. Tell them I'm sorry, Hallie said to them, said to him over her shoulder, somehow knowing he was there. Good luck, Tabor. He said two prayers for her. She would need them. When Blotch woke, she made such a noise that Doots and Mookie instantly woke too. Both of them huddled together in one bedroll. Good for them, Tabor thought. He watched as Blotch sat up in a daze, patting the roll next to her and looking for Barthor. When her consciousness settled and she remembered what had happened, her head hung for a moment. Damn you, Rich. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Tab Tabor, where are Hallie and Rhea? M Mookie asked, walking right up to him. 
with none of the fear or suspicion any of the rest of them had when they talked to the Darkling. Both left, Rhea to the north and Hallie back to her friend. There were there were no words to stop them. Mookie nodded and helped Doots to her feet. So, what do we do now? Blotch pulled Barthor's jerkin over half her body and picked up his cudgel. And for the first time in his long life, Tabor the Darkling hesitated. What else? he hissed. The Technomancer's forces had been busy overnight, scurrying and scavenging. They had pulled whatever dead bodies they could find in the town and made two large banks of the dead to act as a walled corridor to usher Hallie into the city. As she looked up, she saw the dead had started to be reanimated, eyes gradually opening and lighting up an eerie yellow path, surveying her approach. You came back, she heard the technomancer whisper through dead mouths, just as I predicted. She ignored the taunt from blackened lips, and walked to where the entrance shack to the Mothman Prophecies once stood. It had been levelled, taking some of the mountain with it to create a flat circle of land where the Technomancer hovered on black tendrils. Sick. As it should be. It drooled thick black slime at the thought of killing her. This has been an eternity coming. A part of me, a small part, owes you for this. Hallie said nothing, just drew her sword and shield. She pointed the blade at her enemy. Do you know your little moth friend foresaw this when I first met them? Scared little insect never told you, did she? Too scared it would make you weep, perhaps. Hallie marched (laughs) forward. Feeling betrayed? Don't worry. When we have our fun with you, I'll make you tell me where they all are. And we'll find the bard and her little bug. A nexus and an omniseer will make me unstoppable. I might even use your other little friends for foot soldiers. Except the frog, of course. I imagine he's a bit ripe by now. How does he know? God damn you. <laughs> well, Almost... he, he's the one who killed them. Yeah. <laughs> Almost almost in response, the giant shadows of four evacuation longboats blasted into the atmosphere overhead, heading for some far-off world free of this bony shitbag's reach. Hallie smiled her friends were safe and well at the technomancer's scream of fury Hallie ran at the monster silent as she did she kicked off a large clump of rock to attack it in the air slashing through a part of its cloak and a tendril underneath as she landed behind it in return the technomancer howled in pain and sent more tendrils her way which she blocked with Steve (laughs) Steve (laughs) the great tree of Etrus emblazoned on its surface Hallie spun to one side and slashed again, carving more thick, blacked cables from its body. The fiend screamed and lunged towards her, Hallie easily dodging the attack and running it through the back, right up to the hilt. It was easier here, in open ground, and with the rage gone, a calm set in. She was the best sword wielder on this planet, and this ghoul was going to feel every bit of pain it had given her tenfold. As (laughs) As she pulled the sword from its back, its head twisted 180 degrees to face her, (laughs) joints cracking so that its withered limbs turned too. Help me, a child's voice screamed inside the technomancer. That's so weird. And Hallie for a second saw the face of a frightened young dwarf inside of it. Quiet vessel, you have what you wanted, the technomancer sneered, 
as Halley took an upward swipe that cleaved the Technomancer's face in two. In its dying fury, its tendrils flailed wildly, one slicing clean through Halley's right calf. The pain drove her to the ground, blood pouring from a leg she would never use again. But at least it was dead. At least they would be safe. A thick, oily chuckling came from the Technomancer as it rose again, its face knitting back together with machinery and wire. It strode towards her, arms morphing into long black blades. Is that it? The Technomancer lunged back, and when it turned back towards Halley, six arrow bolts were buried in its body. Rhea Grey jumped down to join Halley and helped her rise to her feet. I needed to kill this bastard, she explained, and Halley nodded, understanding. Another longboat flew overhead and hovered there, the noise of its engines flooding the battleground and blowing dust everywhere. A service airlock opened to reveal Blotch, who jumped out towards them. When she was about ten metres from the ground, Tabor rippled out from behind her, acting as a parachute. As they both joined their friends, (laughs) Blotch tutted. Have you not killed him yet? (laughs) (laughs) Waiting for us. Needed the whole gang, I think, Tabor nodded. (laughs) Blotch charged at the Technomancer with all the speed a giant sack of jelly could. (laughs) (laughs) What's that, like five miles per hour? Swinging the cudgel as if on the last ball of the over in the Cricket World Cup final at Lord's Cricket Ground, and the Technomancer was a slow arm bowler pitching a little too short, and the field had been brought in to save runs. Sports reference. I see, I see. Sports reference for our jock listeners. <laughs> and it's cricket. <laughs> she beamed the Technomancer, denting its helm along the side with the spikes of the cudgel. When she was pushed back by his tendrils, ta- its tendrils, Tabor turned himself into a ball and launched himself at Blotch. Batter up, he shouted. He was a fan <laughs> of Whizball, the nation's pastime, where wizards played a magical form of baseball you'll never see, but it is the most amazing sport you can ever imagine. <laughs> reference for our wizard jock list. <laughs> Blotch hit him towards a Technomancer, and he slithered into the beast's armour, wreaking havoc inside as he morphed into all sorts of painful-looking shapes before rejoining his fellows. Rhea fired bolt after bolt at the monster, changing clips multiple times until she was out of ammunition, and when her pistols were empty, the Technomancer again slowly began healing. Though this time, Halley saw the body of a young dwarf inside the closing cables, desiccated and pale. That's it, Halley said. The body. Rhea grabbed the fucker upper from Halley's hands and ran at the healing fiend, only for it to grab the sword when the blade was only a foot from the body inside. It snapped the sword in two with his bare hand with its bare hands and shoved a shard of it straight into Rhea's stomach. He held her aloft as aloft as the light went from her eyes, then chucked the dead body to one side. Two down, the chrome skull said. Tabor and Blotch yelled and ran at the murderer, fighting back the incoming tendrils as they rushed forward. When they got close, they pulled the cables to one side, and Haley jumped. Halley jumped with all her strength. Swordless, she buried the pointed edge of Steve into the heart of Timmy Blackcrest. <laughs> Timmy! With a scream, the Technomancer shedded away from the corpse of the dwarf and fell to the floor, Timmy collapsing and dying on the spot. If he were still able... He would have thanked them. 
I would say something witty, but I think we have to get out of here now. Tabor pointed (laughs) towards the army of zombified robots suddenly scurrying towards them. (laughs) In true Looney Tunes fashion, Tabor turned himself into a long set of black stairs and they climbed it to the longboat. (laughs) (laughs) Taking the body... (laughs) Taking the body of Rhea Grey with them. As the ship started moving slowly away from the dying planet of Ithia, Halley turned back to the battlefield and found the Technomancer still lived. The shroud the Technomancer had become, a wraith of hate and evil manifested in an AI named Eden, rose and glared at her. No, the thing whispered, and as it raised her arms, the advancing dead bodies burrowed themselves into the earth and rose at the Technomancer's feet. They became a rising tidal wave that lifted the Technomancer at his head. It was rising fast, and it was going to engulf the longboat. Doots! Portal! Mookie shouted, and Doots picked her guitar up as weak as she was. She started playing. In front of the ship, a golden portal in space appeared and then immediately cracked into splinters, like a broken gilded mirror. I don't know what's happening. It's, It's still open, but someone somewhere has broken it, Doots cried. Doesn't matter, none, Doots. It's going to catch us, Blotch said. It was fun, guys, you know, except for all the death and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Eloquent. Hallie looked at the portal, the rising dead and her friends. This was it, what she had seen in her visions. A chance to save the people she loved. I really fucking hate that thing, she said to Mookie, before she leaped from the longboat to the screaming protests of her family, holding the shield in front of her like a ram. As she careened into the Technomancer, she knocked it off balance and gave the ship the last few seconds it needed to reach the portal before falling back to the planet she had loved so much. The Technomancer rushed towards the portal and crossed the threshold only to arrive somewhere she didn't know, with no longboat in sight. She let out a scream of frustration at the escape of her quarry before taking a deep breath and realising she would find them. It would just take more of what she had an abundance of now. Time. The end. What the fuck? Damn, dog. At least the characters that I really liked didn't die. Yeah, in the first draft, I killed off Mookie and then I decided not to. No shit. I I was so aware that Barthur was going to die. I was so unbelievably, I just knew it. And I was hoping against hope, and then you, you fucking s- killed him anyway. <laughs> you see what Rich did, like a true sicko, right? Yeah. He fucking had a moment where they're all telling stories, and you're loving the fucking friendship, and then it's time to die. Yep. Sorry. Not sorry. You piece of British shit. <laughs> the Just thing a is... a monster. A monster thi- of a man. The, the thing is as well, like, all the <laughs> cast are getting together soon. I can't write a cast of 20. I'm sorry. <laughs> What are you not? Kevin Faggy can do it. You can. T- <laughs> yeah, but even that wasn't done particularly well, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Look, just have them all silently fight for 45 minutes straight. Yeah, <laughs> slow motions, throw in some slow mos, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, this is an audio. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk really slowly. What was the. What was what was the final death tally? Who all died uh, in this? Flicker, Rhea Perlman, Rhea Gray, uh, Barthor, and Halley. 
Elon Hallie Swift Feather. As, so, as, as we're led to believe that mm-hmm. Hallie as is. we're led to believe. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. By a liar yeah. man. The rich <laughs> monsters. By a professional con artist. <laughs> Professional murderer and hope killer, Rich yeah. Masters. Yeah. Puppy kicker and baby seal clubber. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd, pro- I'd probably get less uh, less uh, bad feeling for clubbing a seal live on live on air. <laughs> I'm a big, Wait, you don't like seals? <laughs> I'm a big fan of the fact that uh, I've killed probably 75% of the characters I've ever created. <laughs> Rich is the one who gets the record as being the murder killer man. Yeah, you're right. I feel like I got away with literal murder because I killed you guys in my story mm-hmm. and I'm not the fucking bad guy yet. <laughs> I just What a day to kill your friends. It's true. Uh, I um I just unfortunately made a beloved frog character that I just killed off. I'm sorry. I, oh, well, also, Hallie's been in the story since episode two. Yeah, yeah. Hallie's Hallie's gone now. He's really pushing this though. He's yeah. like, "Oh, she's dead, guy." I don't yeah. buy it. I'm not of buying it. Of course, there shit. are like other dimensions and shit. Mm-hmm. Also, we haven't even sold a single figure yet, and he's killing off yeah, characters. No, Rich, marketable no. character, Rich. Yeah, we got we got plenty. Who doesn't want a <laughs> Mothman Prophecies T-shirt? <laughs> I fucking do, and I want a idea. Mookie. A stuffed Mookie, Mookie. plush. A stuffed Mookie. Um, Squid Ludwig sent me um, a link to get plushies made of uh, characters that I have me- been meaning to share with you guys for a little while, so I will. Suck, uh, suck, suck, exa- suck. Well, exactly. You could, <laughs> we could. We could do three. We could do a limited series of three. We could do Mookie, Socks, Sox. and Pavlov. Pavlov would. <laughs> <laughs> Can he be a squeezable where he's like, I ain't on my cheese. If you squeeze him, he just goes, (laughs) Sometimes he farts. (laughs) (laughs) Million dollar idea. There you go. Squeeze him, he goes, you really don't know Pokemon? (laughs) (laughs) That's still my favorite line I've ever written for. (laughs) So good. I, I would buy out our own supply. Yeah. Get high on our own supply <laughs> of Mookie plushes. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, everybody's story was good. I loved this episode. It was the best one we've ever done. That's yeah. true. Absolutely. It's going to be longer Rich. than most. Yeah, Rich, you're a son of a bitch, yeah. and I hate you, but I love you. Yeah, S- uh, son of a bitch, bastards. There you go. <laughs> Seven fireplace having motherfuckers. I don't think anybody has had a meaner nickname in history than bitch bastard. <laughs> it makes me sound like a, a Hanna Barbera villain. It does. <laughs> the the <laughs> cursiest Hanna Barbera villain that ever lived. I can't wait till Rich is on wacky races this year. <laughs> I'm gonna catch a pigeon and kill it. <laughs> I'm my man Rich is out here killing Peter Perfect, <laughs> the perfect machine. Come on. Dude, Ugh. as long as you don't kill off Speed Buggy, we're cool. <laughs> Plus, there are, lots of, there are lots of characters everyone likes still left. I haven't killed off Grissom Graves. I haven't killed off Lionel Richie. I haven't killed off the Jokey. They're I all still around. Lionel Richie. 
there, there might be some some copyright an uncopyrightable stuff in this book we're planning on making. We'll spell Lionel Just slightly spell different. different. Yeah, yeah. Spell it yeah. like Paul Ritchie. Yeah. <laughs> Rich Unless that's G. also spelled the same. I don't really know. <laughs> um, is it? No, it's not. Richie, Lionel Richie is R-I-C-H, I think. Mm. Yeah, we'll do it T. Yeah, like Richie Rich. <laughs> Shit. Oh, man. That was a long one. Sorry about that. I, I say sorry. I, I'm no, not really good. sorry. It needed to be long. It was like a 50-minute long story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fucking... Damn good. That was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I'm glad. Yeah, I was tense. I was puckered. Mm-hmm. Who was going to die next? Turns out four of them. Three of the eight. I don't feel bad about your nickname, bitch bastards anymore. Good. Actually, Good. that's why that's why we shouldn't ever feel bad about anything because we're always right. That's if true. you if you don't want me to kill people, don't let me be buried in a in a cavern, and then have. It, 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 did you write your story while I was telling my story? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I did. I wrote fourteen Fine. pages while you were. While you were Every reading. time you said something mm. mean in your story about the rich robot, he killed another <laughs> character. <laughs> he was the only one who got out. He knew it was a bad idea. Oh. He used that classic British cowardice of his. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Cowardice or cleverness, whatever you want to call it. Whatever. My man Fedge using that classic American blind stupidity. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I don't know about you guys, but I am pretty spent, as as we all are. Uh, I've come so much that I need a break. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Do you actually need a break or should I just close out the episode? No, no, let's go. just, let's right, just end the episode. Let's right, find out good. what we're good. in for next time. Good. All right. Yeah, so, let's see what we do. On that note, we close the cover <laughs> on, the, on this week's compilation. Uh, but it we're gonna, farts now. We're going to do... Uh, we're going to check the prompts. So if you could wheel out prompt bot. All right, the first one is Thunderstorms by... Cool. Uh, who is this one? Hold on. It's by Federico, Well of Souls, R. Cool. Damn. And then... That's awesome. Next one, please, prompt bot. Oh. It's Pizza. <laughs> pizza! By... Oh, fuck. Phantom Thief Goofus, Splendid Heists Associated. <laughs> It's a different show. I can't use Cool Crimes Inc., right? <laughs> cool Crimes Inc. <laughs> um, so thank you to Phantom Thief Goofus and Federico R. Uh, pizza, pizza and Thunderstorms. That's P- going to be a... Pizza. Pizza. I want pizza. Um, I can already see the episode art, so that's good. Because um, <laughs> sometimes they're a bit tricky to do. Um <laughs> Right, so that's the next episode. So, as always, big thanks to our good friend Vidizen for the use of his music, specifically created for our theme tune. You can find out everything you want to about Vidizen at vidizen.card with two R's.co. Um, he's got all his links there, including everything to his new albums, which are dope. 
and all his projects. Um, he's yeah. genius. We love him. Um, basically, <laughs> if if he were here right now, all three of us would be hugging him. I would be trying to do more than hug him <laughs> with consent. I'd be waist hugging him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mouth hugging is pee pee. Yep. I'd keep it respectful a little while. I wouldn't just go straight in. Yeah, you're playing hard to get, mm-hmm. huh? You got you got to make him anticipate it. <laughs> hey, I'm the one he's going to be coming back for. You you guys are giving it away right, left, right, and center. It's Look. called edging, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Look, after I give it away, everybody comes back. Is all I'm saying. Once, <laughs> once you go dwarf, you'll be wet as a wharf. That's what they're saying. <laughs> um. Oh, right. Okay, you guys. If you want to be a super fan of the show, uh, one of our specials. Potentially get a character named after you. <gasps> you can be a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bros before pros. <laughs> right? My my God. You just can say slash. Patreon.com slash bros before pros. If you're yeah, listening you to letters, go. then you know how to spell it. Yeah. 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 You definitely do by now. If you don't, and you're, you're listening to another podcast that's called Bros Before Pros, which is possible, because <laughs> there, there's a lot of them that are one. like this. Um, Pros Before Bros, our enemy podcast. Yes. Yeah, they really want to be, man. I was just like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> we put the bros before the pros, because I don't give a shit if you write a story or not. You're my friends. Yeah, you're all, you, you, and everyone is a bro. Everyone's yep. a bro. Even if bros you don't is pay a us, gender. You're not a bro. Get the hell out of here. Bros. <laughs> Everyone who's a fan of the show is a bro. Yeah. Bro is a gender neutral term in this in the terms of this show. That's right. Um, Only so you if can you go pay and us. support us there. Only if you pay us. <laughs> um, and you can go and support us there. And you'll be able to suggest prompts, get access to the written stories, behind the scenes content. Um, our redesigned by committee podcast that we'll probably do another one of those sometime um, where we design our own show based on an established IP like I don't know Spider-Man or Beastmaster might do a Beastmaster sequel apparently that's the first time I'm hearing about that Um, and then Beastmaster 4? Wow Beastmaster (laughs) 3 then there's other tiers where you can uh, get characters named after you, have a credit in our forthcoming book. Um, yeah. And then, you know, plus you'll have the, the benefit of knowing that you're doing the Lord's work, the good Lord of the bros. Um, yeah, I can go buy food and ramen and... One of us will kiss <sighs> you straight on the mouth, but it is mm-hmm. a roll. It's like a three-sided die and you, you don't get to decide. <laughs> And unfortunately, I just happen to have a chance cube here. Maybe <laughs> it's we'll all Josh's face. Maybe we'll split the 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 world so that I can cover Europe or something like that. Because that would be less than you're gonna kiss all of Europe. Well, I mean, you know, if if they deserve it. Without right? the random chance, what's the point? <laughs> true, true. Without the random chance and having to fly over half the world, yeah. yeah. What yeah. is even the point? I think we have um, listeners in Germany and stuff too. So, ah, ooh, wunderbar, G- guten Tag, or, or that means good day, good, good day, Schadenfreude. That's yep, That's joy. Yep, <laughs> that's what people do when they listen to this show. <laughs> um, Josh Henderson, 
Yeah. Do you want to plug anything? Watch continue on YouTube. Listen to M Class podcast on whatever the hell. <laughs> Good stuff. Jeff, do you sure. want to plug something? Your mom. <laughs> you don't. Fuck. You don't. She's been dead ten years. She has no, she hasn't. No, she hasn't. <laughs> She's not dead. How dare you, you that shit on ruin me. my I hopes remember. and dreams. <laughs> uh, um, now you can follow me. I guess uh, Twitter's probably going to be around for a while. You can follow me on there at underscore Jeff Pennington. <laughs> you can find my artwork at jeffpennington.art. And uh, check out M Class Podcast, which is on iTunes and Spotify. Excellent. Also SoundCloud, but it, it's really strange if you listen to podcasts through SoundCloud. Mm hmm. Um, oh, that's, is that weird? Is that weird behavior? Sus. <laughs> the kids say. How culturally relevant. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MastersRich. Um, I write in at BoldlyPros or BoldlyPros.com. You can find my other two podcasts at ActUpon on Subspace, uh, which is a Star Trek drama comedy, or at ToonHounds, where I talk about cartoons with my good old pal Spivsy. Um, wow. And we talk about Daredevil. A lot. <laughs> like an, you talk about Daredevil a, a lot? Yeah, they really it, do. It, we really love What's Daredevil. What's uh, He's one of my favourite comic characters. And he's one of Spivsy's as well. So we talk about him a lot. Do you like the new uniform? The yellow one? Yeah. The new old uniform? Well, yeah, it's old. But but yeah, it's yeah, it's good. I think it looks great. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, whether we wear it in the actual series, because like TV now, you have to have... A hundred uniform changes to make things relevant. Apparently, oh, that's yeah. everything. That was that's that like was sports. my, my hit tweet. They got like six likes or whatever on M class. Was that they used the same yeah. uniform for a hundred straight years in Starfleet? But now <laughs> yeah. the card happens and they have a new uniform Dude, every it's, three. It's months. like the game. I'm telling you, they're taking cues from the game because in the game you can have whatever you want, right? So they're just like, that's what we're gonna do. Whenever someone says that, I always imagine Smithers saying, "But she's got a new hat." Malibu Barbie Um, Don't don't give them the credit that they're taking from the game (laughs) They just want to sell action figures (laughs) Well they use the Enterprise F from the game Which is cool That's the ship The new Enterprise Enterprise Fuck this show Picard Yeah <laughs> the um, they think that the Andorian's gonna be the Andorian captain. Captain Sean, yeah. yeah. Captain Sean. Um, captain Tony. <laughs> captain Tony. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Bam's original character, the Andorian <laughs> Tony. Tony. Um, is his second name Baloney? Oh, um, <laughs> don't make fun of this great man. No, I'm not. Tony. What um, the? What are you trying to say, Rich? <laughs> What are you um, trying to say about Tony Baloney? What are you trying to say uh, to that to keep me? Keep that name out, your fucking spaghetti hole. If, um, I'm trying to say that if he were a real fan of Bros, he'd go and give us a review on iTunes or wherever Ooh. he listens to his podcast. Do we have new ones? Captain Tony? Yeah. <laughs> he would do it? All right. Yeah, he would do that. Yeah, we don't have any new ones. Uh, no, see, even we more. new ones. See, Captain Tony, your shameel. Um, you shamil, you shlamazel. Um, go and review the show. Uh, but seriously, actually, go and review the show if you're listening to this. Even if you don't, if if you can't be a Patreon, uh, a patron, and that's fine. We're all struggling for cash a little. It's the beginning of the year. The world is falling apart. Um, go and review the show because that is one of the the 
things that gets us listeners apparently we got a load more listeners and a load more patrons after we had that sort of like wave of reviews we had so yeah if you go and review us we'll get seen a bit more and then we'll get to more our voices will flood to more ears yeah we'll be able to take over your brain which is our ultimate i mean Mm -hmm. i mean entertain you when you've got those universal translators we'll be whispering curses in your ear um shit We'll be Fuck whispering the, yeah. the ancient curses. Schlemiel, Schlemiel. <laughs> On that note, I think we're done here. Um, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, listen to my power stories and also read a story to you all. Um, and we will see you again in two whole weeks. We won't see you, but we'll we'll talk to you. Right, bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Stuck the landing. Perfect. 10 out of 10, no notes. <laughs> Print it. <laughs>